Talk Live. You can bring up what you want if you dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. There's a lot to talk about here tonight, and I want to start you out by updating you on the latest with the Keen 420 Cannabis Celebrations. Of course, the media is calling them protests, but I don't like that term. I think celebration is a lot more positive uh, and that is really what's going on. People are It's a very celebratory atmosphere. People are getting high. They are smoking cannabis. Uh, today, somebody brought out a hookah, and that was actually <laughs> – it was actually loaded with tobacco. I went up and, uh, and gave it a puff to uh, to find out. But uh, nonetheless, pretty cool to have a hookah. Is that really the, the way you should find out what's in uh, you know a, a given smoking <laughs> in- instrument? I think I'll take a puff. I mean, yeah. it could have been crack for all you know. Well – not very likely, uh, but nonetheless, uh, there were another good hundred or so people out today. So the amount of people's kept pretty steady. Uh, they've been coming out on a daily basis. Uh, we were actually just arguing over uh, whether how long this event has been going on prior to the program uh, tonight. Mark, you you are asserting that this has been going on since uh, Monday of last week. And Isn't that correct? Well, I don't think it's been going on as a public event since Monday of last week. It's been going on as kind of – what happened was it started with two guys getting high at 4.20 in the afternoon at Keene Central Square here in beautiful Keene, New Hampshire. It expanded to about seven people the day after that, to about 14 people the day after that, to about 27 the day after that. And then they called the Porcupine 411 number, which is a little service we have here that allows activists to dial a phone number, leave a message, and have it distributed to hundreds of recipients. So they dialed that phone number and announced that it was going to be happening last Thursday. So it was to me, it really started as a public uh, event that everybody was invited to as of Thursday. Prior so, to that, it was just some people getting together. On Wednesday, there were 27 people? Yeah. So you're saying that that's not um, activism and that's not the beginning of the event? I'm saying it is activism, but it's not a publicly announced event at well, that point. You know, I understand where you're coming if from. You want, but it's not as risky announced. to the police. For, as far as the police factor is concerned, the police were unaware of what was going on until the announcements went out. Sure, and everything everything grows, Ian. I mean, everything, yeah. and in its growth, uh, you know, the aspects of it change. However, it began on the day it began, not on the day it was announced. Yeah, right, because yeah. if you announced it and then no one came, the the fact is there was a foundation built of 27 people already there. If you made that announcement, likely you would have had 30 people at the event guaranteed already. Instead, you had a hundred, I believe. Um, so the event yeah, it went from about 30, uh, 27 to 80 to 100. Right. Um, so the the event, in fact, started on the day that the first two guys went out there. I don't and think did you it. can call it an event if it's not been publicly announced. Well, you can call it an event if two people decide on it. They decide to go together. What is it? A date? Yeah, that's like you know it's meeting an event. in the park. A, a, right. Well, it's a, a it's private an event. meeting in the park. You want to call it an event? It's a private event at that point, okay, even though it's, it's happening a, in a public place because nobody knows about it. Was it filmed? No, I don't believe it was filmed until it was publicly announced. So it, I, I, it began me, on the day it began. To me, the term event has to do with uh, something that people can come to attend. Okay, fine. Uh, not it necessarily something I, I don't private. think it really matters very much. Well, anyway, Nick, what do you think? When did it start? I think it started when people started smoking weed on All Central right, Square. Fine. So <laughs> then in that case, it's been going on for over a week. Uh, but you you were mentioning to me uh, prior to the program that uh, you'd heard that this may be the longest running such event of all history. As far as people consuming marijuana in public? It may be. I heard through somebody else that the Sentinel reporters had said that 
the Sentinel reporters, I guess, were down at Central Square covering the event. So mm-hmm. they had, they had said, as far as you know, I can tell that it is a record of some kind for the longest running marijuana activism of its type. Sure, because there have been plenty know of. in the past. There have been examples at, uh, for instance, college campuses, a very popular well, place. I'm for not sure how like well this. these things are documented. I mean, if you have a very successful smoke out where people are there for three weeks and no one's actually arrested, I don't know if that gets documented or not. If it's a, yeah, let's say a college town. You would think it would because that's pretty noteworthy. Uh, there are college events where that'll happen on a yearly basis. Uh, where they'll get together out in some common area at the college, and a lot of people will uh, get high. They'll smoke cannabis there. And in many cases, the police do leave those folks alone, but it's just a one-off kind of quickie uh, one-day event. This has been happening every single day at 4.20 in the afternoon, and it continues on. Uh, In fact... The, the the news coverage has been great, by the way. Uh, we've had all kinds of coverage, of course, here in Keene, also as far out as uh, as WBZ in Boston. There's been some blogs that have picked it up over the Internet. I've heard rumors that some website in California picked it up. I haven't seen it myself. But obviously we'd like to get a little bit more national-level coverage of this. Uh, Fark.com picked it up over the weekend, which was good. That That led a lot of people to the Sentinel article. I wouldn't be surprised to see it get into high times at some point. I submitted some details to uh, the folks over at Cannabis Culture Magazine, but I imagine that Jody, uh, the wife of Mark Emery, is a little busy this week as Mark has turned himself in. Mm. Uh, this is some of the, uh, the the sad news that I have to report today. Obviously, the, the good news is these cannabis celebrations are continuing to go on. There's only been one legitimate arrest. They arrested a second guy, but he had a chocolate-flavored cigarette or something like that. and a Chocolate mint, I think is what he was smoking. and Chocolate-flavored mint. Isn't that and, illegal tomorrow? Uh, no, it's illegal to sell okay. flavored uh, tobacco, but this was actually flavored mint, not flavored tobacco. Oh, I see. So they let him go. So there's only been one arrest over this nine-day uh, period that we're talking about. And after they arrested Evan for having the, the chocolate-flavored mint rolled up in a joint yeah. and let let him out, that was uh, was at that time the, the activists and the, the tokers had come to the police station. So if they hadn't arrested Evan, they never would have come to the police station. But because they came to the police station, they decided to hotbox the inside of the police station. So right out in the uh, reception area, they were uh, smoking up indoors. And, of course, there's, there's a ban on smoking anything inside city buildings. But yet no cops came out from the back of the, uh, the police station to do anything about it. There were dozens of people packed into what is a relatively small room. Uh, there may, be, may only be about eight chairs in there for people to wait in, and there's a lot of open space. But dozens of people standing around in there, passing around uh, at least one joint. Uh, you can see the video footage of that at freekeen.com. Some raw footage has been posted up there. That alone has to be... I, I would say smoking out in the police station lobby in the waiting area has to be on its own probably a, a world record. How often is that really happen? something? And I, I, it's it's hard to believe. I, you know, I know that people <laughs> people just say that they're uh, the the the, the Keniacs here, the activists in Keen are are madmen, um, maniacs. And uh, I know that there's uh, there's a certain contingent over in the the west side, the east side of the state that are claiming that, uh, well, they're ruining the chances of liberty oh, yeah. for, for everyone. But right. This allows the politicos to blame all of us, those of us who've engaged in civil disobedience and non-cooperation. Uh, they love to blame us for all of their failures. Well, see, because the political process is is wrought with failures because mm. that's it's just designed for that. Yeah. But it it's, is. if you don't have the civil disobedience people to put the blame on, then you actually have to take the blame yourself. But if you fail at doing politics, uh, then you can just say, well, it was because of those guys out in Keene. They ruined our good name. 
Well, I don't think um, that the uh, when <laughs> when the governor vetoed the uh, medical marijuana, uh, the, the, a, a very you know weak medical marijuana bill yeah. that that uh, was put through. And I know that if if the politicos would have had their druthers, that it would have been a better bill. I understand that, but unfortunately, sure. when doing politics, one must water down one's message um, in order to get to have success, and it still wasn't successful. Um, you know, the governor vetoed that before there was any kind of protest going on. Mm-hmm. So I think that it would be – it seems unfair. Yeah. I, and I mean, I'm not always on board for every act of civil disobedience no. that has gone on. I think there are some that are counterproductive, but in this case, I mean, this this seems like pretty cut and dry. I mean, this is straightforward activism. The political process hasn't worked to this point in this state to change marijuana laws at all, even medical marijuana laws. So – what I mean, what are we supposed to do? Just wait around Beg. and yeah. and you know maybe sign a petition, yeah, politely right. send think, it to the governor, who's probably going to veto it again anyway. I think that uh, the nice thing about political action is because you have a general idea of what's going to happen. They wrote a bill out; it might be watered down, it might be crappy, right. but you you know that um, it's either going to pass only, or it's not. Right, so many um, options. And you know they, they'll either uh, you know take some kind of retribution. The other side will either take some kind of retribution against it or they won't. Right, and then you However, get to wait two years after it fails to right, and then, then you could try it again. However, when it comes to uh, you know civil disobedience outside the system, activism, whatever you want to call this, um, living free, you don't know what you're going to get. And I don't know what this is going to result in. Is it just going to result in the freedom to smoke at 4.20 in the afternoon until the cops decide to come in? That seems like what it's going to result in. But Maybe. Uh, maybe. Whatever. That's something. That's it's something. something. It's something little. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, so there's a little bit more on this particular story. Somebody brought out a fog machine today as well as the, uh, the hookah. <laughs> so funny. More coming up. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. Gunday, Gunday, Gunday. Three days to exercise your Second Amendment rights for only $10 per person. October 9th, 10th, and 11th at Knob Creek Gun Range. The world's largest machine gun shooting military gun show is fun for the whole family. With machine guns and flamethrowers for rent, helicopter rides, and over 800 tables showcasing handguns, rifles, shotguns, and more. Opens at 9 a.m. Call 502-922-4457 or visit KnobCreekRange.com. That's K-N-O-V CreekRange.com. You want to dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Those features include the chat room. You can go and get interactive with some of our other listeners. Best time, of course, is during the program at chat.freetalklive.com, but it is open 24 hours a day. That's chat.freetalklive.com. And don't forget that Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. If the idea of being free in your lifetime sounds pretty good to you, well, it sounded good to me when I first heard of the Free State Project. So I joined up and I made the move to New Hampshire three over three years ago at this point, and it's been one of the best uh, decisions I've ever made in my entire life. It's been an incredible uh, experience so far, and this last week has been exhilaratingly amazing with the uh, the 420. <laughs> this, is, this is what Ian's been waiting for the whole time. I have totally been waiting for this uh, because I knew it was going to happen. I knew that a mass cannabis 
uh, smoke out was going to occur, but I didn't know it was going to happen like this. I thought it was going to have to be the hardcore activists that were out there putting it on the line when, in point of fact, the supermajority of the people, I would say well over 66% of the people at these uh, cannabis celebrations here that have been happening on a daily basis in Keene have been just regular Keeniacs, people that are not would not consider themselves liberty activists, all-around liberty activists. So uh, it's been even better than I could have imagined, and it keeps it's it's continuing. And that's what we've been talking about at um, the beginning of the show. But go to freestateproject.org. There's more than civil disobedience. There's political action that's actually making a difference, albeit slowly. That's how politics works. But it is uh, it is happening. People are running for office. They're, uh, they're doing the legislative thing. There's a lot going on over there. There's also, again, uh, people making their own media. Nick, you're not a uh, you're not a free stater necessarily. You were born and raised in New Hampshire, but you're in, you're involved in this movement. You're involved in the liberty movement here in New Hampshire, and you do your own television program. Yeah, and that's something. You know, if people are interested in pro liberty media, then. This is a great place to do it. How hard would it be to put together Free Minds TV, which, by the way, you can uh, go and watch at freemindsmedia.com. You can also listen to Free Minds Radio. But how difficult would it be to put together Free Minds TV without the free staters uh, behind the scenes as your crew? Well, once upon a time, it would have been very difficult. They've actually made changes at Cheshire TV, so it's actually not that difficult now. But the show probably would not be around today. If it wasn't for all the activists who came out and helped put the show together, it would be something that would be very difficult to have gotten started in a city where you didn't have these kinds of resources to draw on. So it's been a, it's it's a just a, for me it's been an amazing experience. It keeps getting better. Go to freestateproject.org to learn more about it. I want to give you a little bit more of an update on what's been going on with the cannabis celebrations. Let's go first to your phone calls though and talk to John in Rhode Island. John, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Nick, and Mark. John? Hi, Nick and Mark. How you doing? John, what's on your mind tonight? I want to talk to you about a few things that are very important to me tonight. Okay, we'll, we'll have time for at least one or two of them, so go right ahead. All right, first I would like to talk about Obama. What about him? For the purpose him? of this call, my name is Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy? Soldier Boy. Your name is Soldier Boy? First name Soldier, last name Boy. Soldier Boy. You can call me Soldier, you can call me Boy, you can call me Mr. Boy. Very good, Mr. Boy. You go right ahead with your thoughts. All right, we need to talk about Obama. He is going monkey ass crazy. Is that racist? I'm, huh? Is that racist? No, no, no. I did not mean that in a racist way at all. I see. I am okay, how is he going monkey ass crazy? Can you explain that? I voted for Obama. I voted for Obama. I trusted him. He got in power, and now he's doing nothing. He's doing nothing at all. He's doing nothing? Well, I don't know about that. I mean, he seems to be pretty busy uh, sending more troops he's to... Very, very but he is doing nothing to empower nobody. But well, I mean, himself. he's empowering himself. Uh, government. He's, well, he's aggregating more power to himself, and he's sending more troops to Afghanistan to kill innocent brown the people. The vote is not like aggregation. So, so that's not why you voted aggravation. for. So you didn't vote for Obama. If, um, you I know, did. Have him. You, what, you, but you didn't vote for him to have him go and kill brown people around the world. No, I love brown people around the world. Me too. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. He'd raise his voice at the end of every statement. I was, uh, he kept him feel, feeling like a question. <laughs> <laughs> so today, uh, the cannabis celebrations continued here at 420 in the afternoon, Keene, New Hampshire. Rain or shine. Uh, it was overcast yesterday as well as today, raining just before the events on both days, and people still are turning out for this, which is great. Uh, they spread it. Uh, they spread, by the way, yesterday to Manchester. The Manchester contingent continued 
doing their thing today. So now you've got it happening in two different places here in New Hampshire. I heard rumor that the folks up in the Upper Valley area of New Hampshire are talking about starting this up. I don't know what's going on in Concord, but there's already talk, uh, murmuring, rumors going around about a mass smokeout on the steps of the State House. That would be an appropriate spot for something like that. I, I think so, but there are certain people who are within the uh, political movement that would be very upset about something like that. And to them, I'd, I'd like to say I apologize to you, but I don't think you're going to be able to stop this from well, happening. And black people in the South didn't get recognized civil rights because they politely petitioned for them. Damn right. You do have to step on some toes, and guess what? You're going to piss some people off. Oh, they're make, pissed. Whether you make the reforms through the political process or whether you make them through civil disobedience. Absolutely. There are people who don't want these changes, and there are people who don't want more freedom and liberty. And guess what? They're not going to like you. Don't expect them to buy you a beer. You are not going to be able to please everybody. You're absolutely right. Whether you go through uh, the established channels, as the people that are upset are demanding, uh, they're demanding that we uh, should not be out there smoking marijuana in public. It's uh, it's detrimental to your cause. You need to be begging the the legislatures. Well, you need to be running for office, etc. And I et think I think there's a lot of worrying going on on the part of the the politicos, and I would almost consider myself one of them, but I'm yeah. really not as uptight about it. Yeah. When I've when I've heard locals talking about this and I've heard a couple of locals bring this up, I didn't bring it up. People are either amused and they just think it's kind of funny that people are smoking weed on Central Square and nothing can really be done to them. Right. <laughs> or Which amuses me. You know, they're sort of on board. I've heard people say, "Well, maybe it's not the best way to go about it, but whatever." You know, be, yeah. be, regular people are not that are, they're not that concerned about it. And there are some very angry critics out there saying that everyone on Central Square should be arrested. Yeah, tase them. Tase them, I've heard, but, you know, put them into forced labor. Well, <laughs> the, those kinds of critics, and that's most of the strong, staunch critics that I've heard have been yeah. saying things like that. Those are the kinds of critics that you want because it makes smoke, you know, doing a smoke out protest seem very reasonable by comparison. As opposed to mass tasering, mass and, roundups yeah. and taserings yes. and forced labor. So those the kinds of critics, the really vocal critics I've seen so far, they're essentially doing everything they can to make this protest seem like a good thing in the eyes of people who really don't have a very strong opinion. One right. Way they certainly aren't making themselves seem sane in their in their critiques. That's for sure. Uh, and that there was some concern today from one of the activists was sharing with me the concern that he had after reading some of the comments, and they are some nasty, mean comments on many of these newspaper articles. You can see at freekeen.com. These people but, need 30,000 volts of justice. Right. The, the concern <laughs> for those comments, uh, somebody saying something like, well, I read through their website, and this doesn't seem to be on their message for them, just trying to make it sound like they were in agreement with us, but now that we've uh, smoked out in, uh, in public, now they aren't in agreement with us anymore. And this individual was concerned that that was happening on a widespread basis. And I said, look, these are the, these are the extreme... Uh, the people that are commenting, that are taking the time to comment in such a vitriolic manner, are really the, you know, they're the one percent of the people that are looking at this, and they're motivated enough to on comment on both sides. One percent right. on both sides. One percent on both sides, exactly. So I wouldn't be too concerned about uh, upsetting or rattling a few cages. More coming up. Free Talk Live. 
the second annual Connecticut Liberty Forum is coming October 17th. Join Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, We the People Foundation founder Bob Schultz, author James Perloff, the Campaign for Liberty's Jim Azola, and more discussing ways to protect our freedom. The Connecticut Liberty Forum, October 17th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Sheraton Hotel in Windsor Locks. Visit NHELD.com for more information or call 860-354-3590. That's 860-354-3590. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We have a Facebook profile. You can go and become a fan at facebook.freetalklive.com. That's Facebook dot freetalklive.com and the world's largest machine gun shoot and military gun show is happening October 9th, 10th and 11th at Knob Creek Gun Range. It's fun for the whole family with machine guns and flamethrowers for rent, helicopter rides and 800 tables showcasing handguns, rifles, shotguns and more. Opens at 9 a.m., $10 per person. That's knobcreekrange.com. knobcreekrange.com. Good times. Good times. You know, they uh, for the grand finale there, they put a whole bunch of uh, metal barrels full of diesel fuel and then shoot them with incendiary tracer yes, rounds. Yes, they do. I've seen <laughs> video footage of it. It's amazing. That's got to be amazing. It's awe-inspiring, really. It's, yeah. it's awe-inspiring over video. I can only imagine how awesome it is to actually be there. Yeah, it should be like uh, dubbed over like opera music or something. The 10 bucks is, is worth it just to go and see that alone. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, so, yeah, toll-free number 800-259-9231. Just a few more uh, things to, to update you on. And, of course, the latest is always at freekeen.com on the cannabis celebrations here in Keene, New Hampshire. Lots of news coverage. WBZ Television in Boston came out yesterday. I was interviewed. I actually made it into uh, to their news report as well as uh, another one of the activists out here. So that was great. And the coverage was very, very positive. They, at one point, talk about how the business owners have things to say about it. And you think, oh, no. The business owners are going to be trashing on the the the, uh, the cannabis event. Well, they interview one particularly angry uh, business owner who happens to run a cigar store in the the Central Square in in Keene. Doesn't he sit out there and smoke? Yeah, that's all he does all on, day long. On and Central people Square. complain about it all the time. The city. He's lucky that the city council hasn't passed some kind of ordinance to go after him specifically. Well, he's buddy buddy with with a lot of them. I have a feeling. Uh, but this guy is. At, he was commenting saying that it, it was just the most asinine thing that that he said. Something to the effect of. That he believes they're they're breaking the he believes they're breaking the law and that they're doing it on purpose. That's why he's against it. Well, duh, breaking you, the law on accident. Okay, right, right, very strange. Anyway, they interview two other business owners from very nearby, and the other two are pretty positive towards it. So overall, the report from WBZ Television has a very positive well, uh, sheen to it. I, I, and there are a lot of people in the community who are probably supportive of the, the idea of reforming marijuana law or doing away with marijuana laws. I've heard people say, well, I'm not going to go out there because it sure. could be my job. You know Absolutely. What I, mean? I understand I mean, the fear. I do. I don't blame them for being scared. But I hope that those people can find an area in their lives where they'll be able to engage in some disobedience or in some non-cooperation where they will decide to tell the government no. Even if it's just saying no to the census, take it easy. You don't have to jump uh, all the way into the deep end of non-cooperation to have an effect to make a difference, uh, just saying no on something little like the census, I think, is a, a big step for a lot of people. And if a, lo- if a bunch of people take a little step like that or a, a step like that, then it can make a big difference. But uh, the good news is the cops haven't shown up in the past two days. 
Yesterday and today, no sign of the Keene Police Department. They drove by a couple times, but it's Main Street, so it's expected that they're going to drive by. Uh, none of the cops stopped. None of them got out. Uh, no problems at all. No arrests. The entire thing stayed peaceful. The only time when people get all uppity at these events is when somebody gets arrested. So I think the cops essentially have put their tail between their legs, at least for now, which is good, uh, because they were kind of embarrassed on Sunday when the dozens of people came into the police department and hotboxed the waiting area. I imagine. I don't know they... if tail between their legs is the right term. I think that they've taken the high ground here. Well, they're doing the right thing now, and I think it had to do with the fact that the activists went and smoked out in their lobby on Sunday, and that they probably didn't want that happening a second time, because they realized that they must have come to the conclusion that if they hadn't arrested that guy, those activists would have stayed out in the, in the park. Seems like a reasonable conclusion. Right. So, uh, so that's the good news. And rumor has it that somebody had talked to one of the newspaper reporters who had claimed, so this is hearsay, uh, rumor has it that the, the police have made a statement to the news that they are no longer going to be coming out to the 420 celebrations unless they're called for some sort of violent incident. So if that's true, then that's, that's great news. And that means that these uh, celebrations will continue unabated, and hopefully they'll continue spreading across New Hampshire and maybe even across the rest of the country. I don't expect a lot out of the rest of the country, but maybe you'll prove me wrong, and uh, we'll talk about your cannabis celebration and how successful or not successful it is. I guess it's successful either way, right? If you get arrested, it's successful. If they leave you alone, it's successful. Because anytime you engage in civil disobedience, you win, as long as you're willing to go into a jail cell. 800-259-9231. Let's continue and take your calls about what you want. It is Frank in Oklahoma. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Frank. Hello. Frank, what's on your mind tonight? How are you? Frank, you're on the air. Go ahead. How are you? Say again? How are you? Just great, Frank. Go ahead with your thoughts. Doing all right. Is now this... Thanks, we've got to let you go on that one. 800-259-9231. It's free talk live. That means we have a conversation. We don't just, you know, start cursing. Any chance that was just recording? Like one of those... It sounded like that. When, when they, they, like they, the Arnold Schwarzenegger the, the sound effects? It sounded yeah. like celebrity soundboard to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't recognize who the celebrity was at all, so... Oh, well, thanks for the call. Yeah, whatever. We continue here. Uh, let's go to Dennis in Connecticut. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dennis. Dennis, Hello? you are on the Hello? air. What's on your mind tonight? <laughs> we are getting that is Denise. Say again? Denise? Okay, yeah. Denise, go ahead. Denise. Yep, you're on the air. Thank you very much. I would like to talk about the racism that is occurring in this country. All right. Especially towards my people, the Indians. Mm-hmm. See, I could have guessed you were Pakistani. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm not Pakistani, I am Indian. That is not funny. All right. Okay. Are you from southern India curious. or northern India? Okay. What, which province in India know. are you from? As you know, which province uh, from Danish? What which province in I am, India are you from? I am I am American born. Okay, so you don't know a province. Which province are your parents from? My my parents are also American born. <laughs> <laughs> so you, How does that make you Indian? So are you American Indian? I need to talk about this. I need this is very important. Go right ahead. All Get right, your, hit your joke okay, there, white boy. You. <laughs> As you know, two hundred to three hundred years ago, the white man come to this country. <laughs> yeah. And he brings blanket full of smallpox to my people. You <laughs> teach him how to plant corn. He throws us on reservation. Uh huh. Now we're forced to live on reservation and build casino. Yes. Oh, oh he's talking about the back. other Indians. Right, he's You're switched. mixing your he's yeah, stuff he, on us. I don't know if the accent is quite accurate. <laughs> he's, he's doing like uh, Paul Revere and the Raiders uh, imitation here. 
Shouldn't it be more of like, uh, well, yes, uh, we built mm. this casino, Tonto. Uh, mm. For tongue. Yeah. I do not know what it is you are talking I about. Don't <laughs> I neither, do not either. don't know what you are talking Good about. Good call, though. Is. Good attempt. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. 800-259-9231. I wonder what message for thing. That's awesome. All right. Well, we're going to have to we're going to have to scour the internet here uh, to find out what message board has uh, sent out the crankers tonight cuz this has happened a handful of times in the past. It's 4chan? Usually, you think it's well, 4chan? It's I don't know if 4chan's ever done it. It's usually the vestibule over at uh, the IGN forums. So, normally when this happens, we are able to uh, to sniff it out and uh, and then kind of we'll give them a plug. Sometimes they're pretty good. Sometimes they are. No, I don't the think it's, I don't think bad. it's been bad. No, no, that no. wasn't bad. Well, the son of a bitch one wasn't that great, but, but I, you can say yeah. son of a bitch on the radio. You can, though. but it's just not. It's just not the uh, celebrity creative. soundboard. Yeah, it's just not creative. So one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. The soundboard calls are great, though. I don't know if you've never if you've never heard them. Uh, you can go and you can look for like Arnold Schwarzenegger prank calls. There's an Al Pacino one out it there. It takes skill to do to do one well. Joe Pesci. There's a Pesci one out there. So they've got these celebrity soundboards where they have clips from different movies uh, that these stars have been in, uh, where you can kind of have a conversation. Because if you watch enough Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, you'll find one where he'll say hello or goodbye. And so they take those clips and they put them up on the the soundboard. And there's all kinds of things uh, that, that that they'll say like Are you Sarah Connor? Things like that and then you you make the phone call to whoever the victim is and you play the arnold schwarzenegger clips and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't and when it works it is funny the good thing about the recordings though is that you could take the good ones and then you know flush the bad ones the problem with live radio is you might have a good one you might have a bad one Toll-free number here, 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. Also, a little bit of detail on what's happening with Mark Emery. He is currently awaiting extradition to the United States. You may know him as the Prince of Pot. We've had him on the show a few times in the past. Unfortunately, we probably aren't going to be able to have him on for another five years because he's about to be locked in federal prison. 800-259-9231, all for selling seeds. It's Free Talk Live. Bring up whatever you want. Across the sands of time, from the lands of Abraham to the lands of Julius Caesar, the metals of the earth were forged into the coin of the realm. Now you can own a piece of history with affordable ancient coins from the Greek, Biblical, Roman, and Byzantine eras. Guaranteed authentic by Janus Numismatics. Transport yourself to the distant past at ZeusCoin.com. That's ZeusCoin.com. What you want by dialing toll free at 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. 800 259 9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And those features include the bulletin board system with over 490,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about from serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all free at bbs.freetalklive.com. If you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections, SACL CAI, the main sponsor of this show, does collections, 
early out billing, and they purchase charged off receivables. They handle all kinds of account re- accounts receivable for your business. You didn't get into business to do accounts receivable. Accounts receivable is a thankless job. Let's say we'll CAI do it for you. And in the process, support Free Talk Live. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com at the top of the right-hand side of the page. All right, we continue taking your calls about what you want, and go to Conrad in North uh, North Dakota. You're on Free Talk Live, Conrad. Conrad, yeah. you are on the air. Hello. Hey, what's Hello? on your mind tonight? Yeah, um, I wanted to call and talk about uh, complex emergent systems. Certainly. Um, to, to talk about this first, we have to go with the assumption uh, that evolution, uh, natural selection, whatever, is a fact. I know maybe Mark has a different opinion, but... Uh, so you have, to, you have to go with that, okay? Okay. Um, and, and given that, you know, life is an intricate and complex and looks intelligently designed, you know, and our folk intuition leads us to infer that there must be an intelligent designer. Okay. Okay. Analogously, economies are intricate and complex and look designed, so our natural inclination is to infer that we need an intelligent designer. Hmm, okay? that's interesting. And that's what people think of as government. Yeah, and when people try to control these complex emergent systems like uh, life, economies, language, um, you get things like eugenics. You know how well that worked out with uh, Hitler. You right. get things like Esperanto, and I don't know how many people who are fluent in that. And you I, get things I'm sure like there's somebody on regulation. And what, what is it? What kind of regulation? Top-down regulation. Yeah. And pretty much what it is is it's eugenics for the economy. And and it's just as moral as eugenics for the economy and works just as well as eugenics. Mm-hmm. Eugenics doesn't work. Esperanto doesn't work. That's great. And Yeah, I, I think that's a strong argument for my skeptic brethren who are out there. I know you guys don't like the skeptic movement out there. I've oh, I have nothing against skeptics. I don't skeptics. dislike them. I'm just, you know, don't, don't consider me to be one. I think what we pointed out before when we were talking about skeptics is that many skeptics aren't very skeptical of their, uh, you know, their own leadership, if you will. I don't know if you want to call them that, but uh, the, their icons within the movement. Well, yeah, if, if I had any criticism, it's that they go for small fish. I think it's easy to take down, you know, homeopaths, uh, anti-vaxxers, people like that. Um, or creationists, I think that's really small fish. I think when you go after something like the federal government right. and the idea of the state, you know, I, I think that the uh, that people think of the state as as this thing that exists when it's about as real um, as, as any other and any other god. And I think people have a religion, you know, that that we call patriotism. Right, it's these and, skeptics and I, that that uh, that claim to be skeptical all the time that have accepted, and this was the real big critique I think that we leveled at them is that they've accepted the government as a given. Uh, they've accepted it as a given necessity, and they, uh, when challenged by liberty-minded skeptics to take a look at that issue, they shut down and you know exhibit uh, forms of cognitive dissonance that they, as skeptics, should be uh, should be aware of. And I really, I think it's just cowardice. I really do on, on their part. Because, well, it's yeah, hard to admit when you're wrong, right? Isn't that the whole point behind cognitive dissonance <laughs> is that uh, yeah. people have this this system in their mind that uh, essentially puts up barriers against coming to the conclusion uh, and admitting that they've actually been wrong all of this time. Like, oh my gosh, how could I have been so brilliant in my understanding that uh, all of this other stuff is total bunk, but yet have uh, have missed this most obvious thing as uh, the state being a group of criminals? Well, I just I don't understand how they can't see the connection between Charles Darwin and Adam Smith. Both of them were stumbling upon this, the same the same problem, which is complex emergent systems such as economies and you know biology, 
and they, they both realize the same idea, and they can embrace Darwin, but Adam Smith, they think, is somehow old-fashioned, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's... Thanks for pointing all that out. I've, I've, I've heard one of the critiques leveled at uh, libertarians as people that believe in 17th century economics, which, by the way, is actually 18th century economics. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so not only is it misinformed, it's misinformed. But um, anyhow. Thanks for that, Conrad. Any other thoughts tonight? Uh, no, that's about it. Thanks Appreciate like the it. call. Thank you for the observation at 800-259-9231. We go to Jacob in Georgia. You are on Free Talk Live. Hey, Jacob. Hey, how you doing? You are on the air. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, well, I mean, uh, I, I was just hearing what uh, – I, I just tuned in just a little bit ago, so I apologize if uh, maybe you've already hit on this, but uh, I was listening to what you guys were talking about with skeptics mm-hmm. and uh, and libertarianism, and so I'm big into skepticism. I'm big into uh, – uh, you know, anarcho-capitalism and voluntarism, and uh, I, I, I've always seen a connection between the two uh, for precisely the same reason the previous caller was talking about. And I, I wanted to remind you guys of a couple things. Um, one, be careful when you say, you know, they and that group of people. You know, you're you're collectivizing yeah. a lot of people. And so, yeah, I'm sorry. If I didn't clarify, I was intending to talk about the skeptics who uh, specifically ignore government as an issue, that uh, they yeah. accept it. I think I did specify that I was talking about the, the skeptics that just accept government as a given. Uh, yeah. That's my dividing line. There are either those who accept it as a given or those who are like you that have questioned it. Yeah, and, uh, and, and there are people like that. I mean, you know, Dawkins is uh, one of my favorite authors, but he does tend to say, you know, well, you know, I, I don't like capitalism because – uh, you know, he's made the comparison to, uh, um, you know, that's almost like evolution in society because it's survival of the fittest, and so he doesn't like that in society, which, uh, of course, isn't true. Uh, but also, you've got other skeptics like uh, Penn Gillette. I mean, he's a big-time libertarian. He's uh, yes. shown support for the Free State Project, and he's big into skepticism, and he and, uh, you know, one of his heroes is James Randi, who's a skeptic, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So. What about James Randi? Is he a uh, you know, die-in-the-world socialist or what? Uh, I can't. Um, I think that uh, he would be in favor of probably government banning a lot of the stuff that he doesn't like, and so of course then I have to diverge with with how he is. But uh, that that's the impression I got. He doesn't really speak on it a whole lot, so I can't really tell. Um, You'd think he'd know better if he's hanging out with Penn and Teller. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Uh, you know, it's my hope someday to uh, uh, sort of reach uh, uh, those types of people. Uh, with with the message of libertarianism, uh, there's um, excellent. I live near Atlanta, Georgia, and there's a, a Dragon Con every year, and there's a skeptic track, which means you know just a bunch of skeptics showing up. And so I've wait, always thought at, it would at be Dragon Con. What is that? Is it like a, a RPG thing or what? Yeah, yeah, uh, just you know people showing up in costumes and stuff. But there's a wide variety. Is that called cosplay? I, I've heard of this uh, <laughs> term called cosplay. What? what yeah, is that what that yeah, is? Yeah, I mean some of it. Uh, Can you explain cosplay, please, for our listeners? That uh, you sound like you're trying to dodge here. I I don't know. I'm not into that part of it. I mean, you just dress (laughs) up like a stormtrooper or something and walk around. Um, But cosplay, yeah, cosplay is uh, apparently where people who are adults uh, will dress up in certain outfits and will act as though they are that character. Okay, uh-huh. and that, that it's, if it's, you're going to dress up like a stormtrooper, you don't you like look one. silly? If you, you know, you, I mean, it looks, right. it seems silly not to act like a stormtrooper. But apparently, there's yeah. a whole big culture that is uh, surrounding this, and people meet on a regular basis, and they have games that the, that they they play when they're uh, when they're in. Uh, I would like to know more about this. Oh, this is the LARPing. <laughs> what LARPing? 
live action. It's related role-playing? to LARPing sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes. I'm it's fascinated also related by to be related to anime and, and things like that as well. Right. The the um the only experience I have with it is reading a, a Wikipedia uh, Wikipedia article about it when I came across the term. So if anybody out there is a cosplayer, I would like to know more about this. And you know, is it is it essentially kind of like an adult version of what you did as as a kid? Basically, you know, pretending like you're Superman, that kind of thing. Yeah, I never did it either way. As a kid oh, you never no. did it as a kid. Oh, sure, you didn't. You were too skeptical I for that, right? My back pretended it was a cape. That's about it. <laughs> Thanks for the call, dude. Appreciate <laughs> sure. it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I used to do this all the time. You know, run around like you were superheroes or um, you know, cops and robbers. We'd certainly played, you know, the the bank, the, the, the sheriff and the 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 gunslinger. I don't even know what terminology. Good guys and bad guys in cowboys. Um, yeah. You know, and all that stuff. Um. So I mean, I don't feel bad about <laughs> having I'm not played like you that. Feel bad. That's I'm what just to, saying I want to know more about it. Is yeah. the, these people that are essentially moving it into adulthood, taking uh, their their costume play and uh, and I, taking it to the next level. I think that there's you know there's neat stuff with adulthood. You can do the uh, you know the, the the paintballing is essentially a step up from these things. I the suppo- army dudes, yeah. Yeah, I suppose yeah. you're 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 dropping the white hat black hat a- aspect of it and just focusing on the I got ya, <laughs> you know that mm-hmm. that that part because there's none of that arguing over you got me, you didn't got get me, nah. right? <laughs> that 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 thing. But uh, you know that that's what that is, and it's it's fun. You and I sure, went paintballing, sure. and it was it was a blast. So yeah, if you are a cosplayer. Brad shot me in the face. Now, if you're a cosplayer, and I don't mean the the furries. I don't mean the furries. We've talked about the furries. We know about the furries. I mean the cosplayers. I uh, would love to hear from you. Maybe you could explain what it's all about. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up what you want. Hour 2 is on the way. Free Talk Live. Have you heard of the Millionaire Patriot? You should. He has a free handgun and five days of firearms training waiting for you. That's right. You can attend five days of world-class gun training at Front Sight Firearms Training Institute and secure a 30-state concealed weapon permit, all for pennies on the dollar. Plus, if you act fast, the Millionaire Patriot will give you a free Springfield Armory XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Now is the time you and your family need to be armed and trained to levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides such training without any boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. And the Millionaire Patriot is paying his own money to help you get it. This is real. Thousands have already taken advantage of it, and you should too. Don't miss out. Secure a front sight defensive handgun course plus 30-state concealed weapon permit for pennies on the dollar. And get your free handgun. Go to frontsight.com today. That's F-R-O-N-T-S-I-G-H-T.com. Go to frontsight.com for your training and free handgun. Talk Live. We are launching into the second hour of the program, inviting you to be a part of the show and bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features. They're all free. Those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for their website. We give ours away at freetalklive.com and go right into your phone calls uh, coming up, we'll uh, give you the latest on the Mark Emery story. He is turning himself in, and we'll explain why and what's going on. But first, to your calls. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Yoya? Yoya in New York? You're on Free Talk Live? Yoya? Awesome. Did I, uh, did I so I, I want to talk about the Ron Paul and the Fed book signing I attended today. Certainly. Okay. 
Uh, it was actually pretty awesome. I got to uh, meet Ron Paul. I got his new book signed. By the way, I started reading it. It's really interesting. The In the Fed so book? I also was... Yes. Yes. That is correct. The uh, end of, yeah, you ahead. threw him off, Mark. Sorry. Yeah. So um, I got I got some books signed, and I also got some Ron Paul campaign for Liberty Silver Rounds signed. Those should be of some value in the future, especially with the signature on it. But the most interesting part was afterwards, when Ron Paul was uh, just taking a stroll to the Federal Reserve after the book signing, uh, I kind of, a couple of us met him on the street, and... Uh, he uh, took some pictures right in front of the Federal Reserve, which I already uploaded to my site, uh, TrustedCoins.com. Anyways. <laughs> TrustedCoins.com. Um, yes, TrustedCoins.com. They're, uh, they're an advertiser with Free Talk Live. And I must say, I'm a customer, and, and the, 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 I, you can trust their coins. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, so, anyways, I uploaded, I uploaded also videos of a protest led by Ron Paul with all of us shouting, and the Fed, right in front of the Federal Reserve. Then we walk over right to the front door, which says 33 on it. Ron Paul gets a lot of pictures taken with his new book. And then a bunch of cops come out, mm-hmm. right? And uh, Ron Paul shakes one of their guys' hands and uh, tells them, I, I, I wrote a new book. So somebody shouts out as we're leaving, oh, you guys are going to be out of a job soon. And uh, everybody kind of laughs. And... Uh, then we continued down to Wall Street, you know, shouted and the Fed a little bit. So what do you think the severance package is like forty-seven? Uh, it was uh, and a and a uh, police officer with like a dog barking. It was okay. It was a really interesting uh, time spending. Well, where, uh, where spending Ron Paul goes, Paul. interesting times follow. Ioya, thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate. Ilya. I'm sorry, it's you, Ilya. I said, is it Ioya? He said yes. Well, he probably didn't hear you. Okay, Ilya. Uh, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. So a lot of people excited about the Ron Paul and the Fed thing. Uh, if you go by the hubbub that is surrounding this, it makes it sound like something's actually going to happen with this this piece of legislation. Apparently has a lot something's of... Something's going to happen with this piece of legislation. <laughs> apparently has a lot of support uh, in Congress, and I don't know what's going to happen next. Well, but the we'll, audit you know. the Fed bill has a lot of support. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought that's what we were talking about. Well, he's written a book about ending, ending the, the Fed, Fed. Which, is oh. his, which is the ultimate goal of the audit the Fed gotcha. bill. But there's not very much support in Congress right now to abolish the Federal Reserve System. It makes sense to to audit it before you uh, abolish it if you find some terrible, terrible things, which maybe they will and maybe they won't. I don't know. Um, I know that the – is it GOA or GAO, Government Accounting Office? Yes, GAO uh, would be doing the audit. And if there's a government agency that I like – it's the GAO. I really do. uh, You know, (laughs) I like those guys. They don't seem to pull any punches when they do an audit. Okay, 800-259-9231. You can bring up what you want. You know, actually, they must pull punches. However, the punches that they throw are still, uh, you know, hard hard enough for me. I, I love reading the GAO Well, they don't stuff. let anybody else audit their books, so they're the only ones who will be audit- essentially outing yeah. these people. All right, so we continue here and take your calls about what you want. I think Craig is on the line in Kentucky. Craig, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Nick, and Mark. How goes it, gentlemen? It's great, Craig. What's on your mind tonight? Um, I kind of have to disagree about, uh, you say the best chance for freedom is, uh, to, is where you're at in New Hampshire. In New Hampshire is part of the free state project. Yes, sir. I do agree with a lot of your opinions, but do you think you have to be physically in a jail cell to be in prison? 
Uh, no. Physically in a jail cell to, in order to be imprisoned. I suppose you could be imprisoned in your mind or um, imprisoned in a larger area. How about a te- technological prison? Aren't we all aren't we all monitored to some degree? I, I don't know if we are all monitored. What what would you be getting at? <laughs> are you suggesting well, that the the federal government's echelon system is monitoring all phone calls, emails, and that sort of thing? Absolutely. Okay. To some degree, maybe not everybody, maybe not everybody every day, but uh, I, I'm not to some scared. Degree. See, because I'm not plotting violence against them, so it's not. Well, it's no worry. I'm, see, I'm not either, but that's that's not the problem. Uh, the actual problem, I, I don't believe that uh, they will be satisfied until everybody is micromanaged. I agree. On the individual level. Sure. Sure. Um, but don't you think that you have a better chance of, uh, you know, of getting together with people in a geographic area to uh, prevent that from happening, as opposed to, you know, staying spread out? That'd be tactical isolation. <laughs> That's what I believe. I believe, you know. Listen, I, I do agree with you, but uh, they isolate. If they can isolate you in that area, then they know they don't have to worry about New Hampshire. I can see the um, I can see the point that people uh, make on this, and maybe they'll just cut New Hampshire off and let New Hampshire be free because what that's what I would like to see. That's what I want. Happen. I don't care about the rest of y'all. However, um, <laughs> I, 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 what's the plan for staying uh, scattered about the United States? I mean, it seems to me that that's what the Liberty Movement's been doing for the last. If you if you say the Liberty Movement started in 1971, then when the Libertarian Party started, then that's what we've been doing for the last 38 years, and it hadn't worked. So what's the plan? Well, the the plan, absolutely, the legislative attacks that uh, have been going on right now, that's not working. You show nope. me where that's working. It's not working. They, it's, absolutely, it is not working. They say they're going to audit the Fed. Do you think that they're going to allow the Federal Reserve to be audited legitimately? I don't believe now, it. Come, now, come on. No, I'm, look, I'm not on this audit the Fed bandwagon. I'm just kind of sitting on the outside. Uh, I'm on the bandwagon because I figure um, doing something's better than doing nothing from a legislative standpoint. Well, I agree to a point, but uh, what about some type of class action lawsuit? Does anybody Against who? Against the federal government. Well, do you honestly you believe that? that the uh, the judicial system is going to allow your class action lawsuit to go through against uh, the the federal government? Against themselves. Right. I mean, let's take a look here at uh, there was the We the People organization that filed uh, for let's see the First Amendment the uh, the five provisions of the First Amendment the fifth one being the right to redress grievances with the federal government. They filed a lawsuit to be able to redress grievances as they were able to do prior to the uh, Civil War. Uh, time frame, and the Supreme Court decided not to hear their case. Uh, p- pointed out some case law that had to do with uh, nothing to do with with redressing redress of grievances, and sent them on packing. So, well, no, wait, wait. There's a little more to that, though. The, the Supreme Court rejected the case, which approved essentially. It was their approval of the lower court's decision, which basically told the We the People organization that, yeah, you guys have the ability to ask questions, but we have no obligation to answer them. Yeah. So that was the uh, the that's, response there. That's your class action action judicial uh, uh, you know review there. Okay, so we've shoveled that one aside. What else do you have for us, Craig? Well, that's what I was wondering. If enough people, we talk about civil disobedience. If enough people get together and and file these lawsuits, maybe it'll tie up the court system, and maybe they'll they'll have so many cases. 
that well, uh, they'll they'll start thinking. Well, with I I I I don't think it's a, a a terrible idea, but when you talk about filing court cases, you're generally talking about money, and when you're talking about civil, fees, yeah. civil disobedience, you're generally talking about people who are near the bottom of the uh, the socioeconomic ladder because you know they just don't have as much to lose, and that's why they're willing to do what's what they consider to be right or important. So you kind of have these two problems. I can tell you that um, certainly the, the people that disagree with you politically will use the system in whatever they, way they can to get back at you. So if there's, say, a bunch of lawsuits filed against the IRS, perhaps the IRS will get that list of people and start doing some audits. Right. Oh, and I'm sure the lawyers would really like your idea of class action lawsuits. Yeah, the lawyers love it. Well, I agree that uh, what are we going to do when uh, when this turns into uh, when people dem- uh, have their demonstrations and uh, they start to be uh, shot and beaten? It's already happening. Uh, the G20 protests just happened last week, and the people were shot and, and harmed by the, uh, the police officers. They were abducted, uh, thrown into cars by strange men in fatigues. Uh, there's video footage of all this out there. It's happening right now. So what are you going to do? Answer? I'll let you Give answer it. Hang on. We'll we can come back and talk about it more. Hang on, Craig. More with Craig in moments. 800-259-9231. What's your answer, Craig? Because it's happening now. Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Stouffer's. Let's Fix Dinner. Find dinner ideas to bring your family together at the table at letsfixdinner.com. Juggling schedules so that everyone eats together can be tough. Try starting with one family dinner a week, whenever you can fit it in. Take turns picking the meal and have everyone pitch in. Working together will bring your family closer, even if it is just once a week. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. Talk Live. You can bring up what you want by dialing toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Features including archives, so if you've missed a moment of the show, click and download. They're right there on the front page of the website for free for you at freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live has teamed up with M&S Press to offer you the only, this is the only, complete writings of Lysander Spooner. You can't get all these writing on the interwebs. You can't get it in any other book. It's um, the the only complete writings of Lysander Spooner. And if you're interested in buying this very rare set, you already know who Lysander Spooner is and how influential he was in the liberty movement. It's an anarchist, a philosopher, an abolitionist, an entrepreneur, and a mailman. You can purchase this 2,800-page, six-volume set, bound in library-quality hardcover, delivered to your door for $335. Just go to spooner.freetalklive.com. And it's, you know, it's, it's not the, the greatest web page in the, in the world, but it is the only place you can get this set. If you click on order, it's, a, it's an email, and you just have to email them and correspond back and forth. Trust me, it's $335. It's quite a unique product. It Anybody is. Anybody that considers themselves a fan of Spooner should own it. And this, our audience would be the only place that you would advertise this, Pretty I can much. tell you. Pretty much. Spooner.freetalklive.com. All right, we continue here. You can bring up anything. And Craig has been on the line with us. We're bringing him back. Craig in Kentucky, uh, you'd called in to critique us, uh, those of us who are fans of the Free State Project here in New Hampshire. Actually, not, not, not to 
critique. No, I didn't want to do that. I mean, I agree with you guys on a lot of your opinions, but I just, I just wondered. I want you to explain it to me. Maybe you know, I, I just, I don't understand it. Well, it sounded to me like you were a little critical of the tactic of getting liberty activists together in the same place when you, uh, you, you didn't sound like Craig you... doesn't want to fight. They didn't sound like he wanted to fight in the beginning. Crit- I don't want critique, to fight either. Critique says that sound. I don't want to fight. I'm not here to fight with anybody. So, Craig, what you were telling me is that you believed you had some solutions for the problems that the federal government was, uh, you know, foisting upon us. And uh, we talked about how the class action lawsuit solution, eh, it's probably not a bad idea, but it's costly. It'll involve lawyers, and it's very difficult uh, to find people that are willing to head something like that up. Uh, you also agreed with us that the federal government isn't about likely to, or at least agree with me, that the federal government's not about likely to audit the Federal Reserve in any sort of honest fashion, uh, or especially get rid of the Federal Reserve later on down the line. So I'm in the same ballpark with you there. Uh, but I think you were trying to say something before we went away, so go ahead with your thoughts. No, well, what I what I was what I was getting at there's safety in numbers, and that's um, and with all the legislation they pass, and I mean uh, everything they do, they've got a, a plan that uh, they get their they get their friends and everybody else in this country to go along with them because of money, and that's the whole deal in this country is money, and uh, so until we stop that. There's no need to worry about anything else because bribery, as long as they can bribe people to be on their side, they're going to do it. Yeah, well, you know, I, I do I agree with you on that one, Craig, and that's one of the reasons that I moved. You asked what our solution to the problem of liberty is, and our solution, as much as you may not like it, is the Free State Project. You can imagine, Craig, try to imagine, if you if you could, being a talk show host who is a libertarian. Every other talk show host has their solution, and their solution is vote Democrat or vote Republican. And their solutions stink at, at, from a libertarian standpoint. So what's a libertarian's talk show host's solution? Well, vote libertarian. <laughs> that, that'll work. And the libertarians, uh, you know, on a national level have not been performed. Yeah, ha- haven't been that great. They're not even libertarian. And they've been turning for the last six years. Um, so They've been turning uh, into the conservative party. Yeah. It, it, it's, you know, the, so there is no solution. So you can imagine how difficult it was doing this show, uh, you know, learning, you know, talking about the ideas of liberty and then not having a solution for people. I'll, I'll admit most talk show hosts don't have a solution, but we want to have a solution. The only solution we've been able to come up with is moving enough people to one state where they can have an effect on the government. Well, this, at this point, there's a proof of concept there. It's not just some pie-in-the-sky thing like, hey, we're going to do this someday. It's happening right now. People are making the move. Many people are uh, in the process of moving, and uh, many more are in the process of planning when they're going to move. And some are just now getting uh, getting around to signing up to the Free State Project to get here to New Hampshire and get active. In fact, Craig, you just said a moment ago there's safety in numbers, didn't did I hear you say that's, that? That's true. That's exactly right. There well, get together with other people. Get together with like-minded people all in the same geographic location. That's what we're doing, and we're getting active in a way that previously, heretofore, had been impossible. Mark, do you think that a daily 420 cannabis celebration would have been possible in Sarasota, Florida? Um, only if that daily cel- – no, there's just no way. There's no way. No. no. No place. No, it's happening here in Keene, New Hampshire. It's happening in Manchester. Uh, I hope to see it happen in other places around the country, but I just don't expect it to. I they- don't consider pot to be the most ex- important issue that we're facing. However, I've seen all kinds of uh, different action, whether political or civil disobedience or media-based, going on here in New Hampshire. And it's going on in such a, uh, such, such a frequency that we really can't even cover it um, on Free Talk Live. 
live and without sounding like a New Hampshire-based show, and we yeah. don't want to do that. So uh, maybe you know, maybe that all these issues that are out there right now, everybody's debating different issues. Maybe that's what they want. Everybody to jump on different issues, different bandwagons. When there's one real bandwagon, we got to delete. Now, I'm not talking about violence, but the government that we have now is no good. Absolutely, it does not. You'll work. never have a good one. You'll you'll never have a good federal government if that's what you're talking about. The federal government, it's just not possible. There's too much power, and those powerful positions attract people that are in search of wielding yeah. power like that. And it doesn't matter what nicey nice guy is pretending to be liberty oriented in order to get elected. Uh, they'll they're likely to be corrupted by that power. And of course, we all know it's very unlikely that any sort of house cleaning is going to go on in the federal government. It's very rare that uh, anything less then uh, usually it's a 90% re-election rate for the incumbents. Well, that's because so. the, the deck is stacked. Absolutely. At, sure, one they point, stack the deck. at one point in this country, there was a 50% turnover. It, it trickles down to your state and local level, too. Oh, they're crooks, too. I'm with you, man. That's why I'm getting together with other people, and we're getting active. We're going to non-cooperate. We're going to be doing civil disobedience. We're, there's political action happening here, and it's happening on a scale that I've never seen before in my life, and we've, we're just on the tip of it, I and mean, we're on the tip of the iceberg. More people are coming in here all the time. There's only been a few hundred movers so far here to New Hampshire, and we're expecting more every single year. So, Craig, I hope you'll take another look at freestateproject.org, and thanks for the call tonight. 800-259-9231, because staying where you are and doing what you've been doing, uh, or even changing what you've been doing where you are, I don't know how effective that's going to be, because if you don't have the people, if you don't have the warm bodies to back you up, then you don't really have a movement. You just have a lone nut on this, you know, the corner of the street yelling about whatever it is you're yelling about. Not that that's necessarily the tactic you're taking, but that's how you're seen. If you're just, if you're out there all by yourself, if you're out there. Just you remember because I've been on the street. I'm just by remembering myself. the pictures that we used to have up at the uh, Sarasota radio station with you, with your in the tag, you know, no tag, no more taxes or whatever sign. Right, crazy people, loon. People used to laugh at you. There's, you know, there's just no <laughs> no doubt about it. Maybe uh, they still do. Everybody, you know, used to. Well, <laughs> they can say what they want, but it, to me, it's clear that there have been things happening here in New Hampshire. Have we mm -hmm. had success in rolling rolling back government? I don't think so. We, but we have been able to place some speed bumps in the in the road for its growth and in some cases you know stop some uh, legislation that would have been arduous and onerous for people and and I think with more people that we'll be able to stop more legislation yeah, absolutely. perhaps even get to the point where uh, we're rolling some of it back some I don't folks know. have gotten elected already there's already been four free staters been elected to the New Hampshire state house so that's for early political successes they've been happening too 800-259-9231. So join us up here, freestateproject.org. All right, there's more to, to come with your phone calls about what you want, plus the latest on the Mark Emery case, all in moments. It's Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation. Well, now we've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some very special rates on some of my favorite gold and silver pieces. If you've seen the Lakota Nation silver round from the Free Lakota Bank, you know it's one of the most beautiful pieces available today. And a really fun way of giving the Federal Reserve the middle finger. Free Talk Live listeners can get them for the absurdly low rate of $22.30. That's right, $22.30. Call 877-857-9938 or go to silver.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can at once. It's 877-857-9938, silver.freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves by dialing toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, Ian, here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And we're inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. As we continue taking your phone calls about anything to the AMP line, we go to Gigan in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Gigan. Hey, guys. Uh, am I on? You are. What's on your mind tonight? I went to a healthcare forum today at my college uh, at the University of South Florida, Sarasota campus, uh, to see what was being presented to people uh, as far as healthcare was going on. Okay. Uh, the attendance was about 80% senior citizen. Uh, of course. Uh, 15, yeah, 15% business-looking political people, and I'd say maybe less than 5% students. Sounds about right for a college uh, political event. <laughs> yep. Uh, so uh, off the bat, uh, everybody leading the panel discussion was for some sort of government, some sort of monopolistic coverage. Uh, so the, the, the non-aggressive uh, idea wasn't really being presented. Mm. But uh, they did allow people to ask questions uh, on index cards. <laughs> so I filled one out, and uh, my index card read, Does the plan you propose allow healthcare seekers to say no thank you and select alternative services without being forced under the threat of violence to pay for your health plan or face a jail cell? Good question. And, and so uh, of the 15 to 20 questions, they answered maybe 10 of them. Uh, needless to say, my question was not asked. Shocking. <laughs> yep. yep. And uh, so it, what really struck me today was uh, all the people that were sort of running this healthcare event and all the people who had attended, it seemed that those who had attended, they, they were there to pretty much acknowledge the fact that they weren't in control of their own healthcare decisions. And they just kind of wanted reassurance from these people who are representatives for whoever is actually controlling things, or the bureaucrats and the mm-hmm. corporations. Uh, they just wanted reassurance from them that something was being done that was different. And whether whatever that may be, it didn't seem like they really uh, were were strong in one direction or another, but that seemed to be what the, the mood was. Right. The, the mood is, I want you to steal from people and give it to me. Yeah, they uh, did a show of hands on who who was on Medicare, and it was probably about every senior citizen person in the audience. Like I said, about eighty percent. Sure. They, and, uh, hey, look, person, they they fought they fought through World War Two. You owe them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Um, one person they actually did allow a question that obviously was on the same vein as mine, but not worded the same way. Uh, and they asked if government is so inefficient with other bureaucracies in general, well, why would we want them to take over health care and the the answer, one person just answered it. They didn't even put it to all the panelists, and he just said, oh, I think most people would agree that uh, government does a pretty good job at what they do. Uh, <laughs> most people who have health care here would, uh, you know, would agree with that, so that's really not really an issue. Moving along. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's, let's get back to the real debate as to how we should restructure the government system. Shut up. <laughs> wow. And uh, one thing that was a little disturbing is uh, there was a woman there who was representative from the health care. She worked somewhat in the health care industry. And she said, look, like we as the healthcare industry have wanted um, to have universal health care for some time now, and it's the government's refusal to pass mandates that everyone get health insurance. That's the reason that we're not able to cover people with pre-existing conditions and all these other things that aren't covered. Jeez. So that, that pretty much, uh, like, takes, uh, that pretty much, like, destroys the idea that the health insurance companies are evil and that the government is swooping in to save us, when it's the health insurance companies who are all behind all these ideas that, are being proposed. Yep. Well, I mean, they, they think it's going to help them. Uh, in the long run, it's going to put them out of business, seems to me. It's very strange. 
Well, they don't know that. They, they, look, big companies, uh, you know, publicly owned companies, they're looking for next quarter, mm, not, not for down the line. a decade. They don't make 10-year plans. Good point. Gigan, uh, any other thoughts you want to share tonight? Um, yeah, just one thing I noticed about the whole healthcare argument in America, there's, there's no separation between the idea of charity and the idea of insurance. And people seem to think that all healthcare is grouped into the idea of insurance. If somebody has a pre-existing condition, if somebody has cancer and they know that it's going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars to treat, then what they need is an insurance because insurance is protection from uh, unforeseen events in the future that uh, pose risks. What they need is charity. They need somebody or a loan or something who's able to in and say, uh, you know, we'll help you out paying with this rather than just saying everyone else will, like, throw in a little bit for it because that's not insurance. Well said so tonight. The two ideas are not being separated at all. I appreciate the call and the thoughts. Thank you, Gigan. 800-259-9231. And people would be able to contribute more to charity if they didn't have themselves being fleeced by the federal, state, and local governments for who knows how many thousands of dollars uh, per year you pay in taxes. But if you had all that money back, you could put some of it towards your favorite charity, whether it was to help people with cancer or AIDS or whatever, MS. You could do that. But since the time that they've been offering public health care and, uh, you know, Social Security and things like that, the, the average age that people live has risen. And their their level of uh, you know, the, 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 their level of income and the amount of uh, wealth that they have has increased. Well, they have public health care in North Korea, too. As the age of uh, life. Well, they're administering it poorly. Oh, right, right. Well, you know, that all brings – really, that misses the root of the issue. I realize what you're doing is playing devil's advocate, but it misses the root of the issue, and that is stealing. Uh, because it's wrong to steal uh, no matter what your goal is. If your goal is to help people that need help, and I'm all in favor of helping people that need help, uh, if they truly are infirmed and unable to help themselves, I think they should get the help well, that they need. if you're facing an end-of-life situation, as was sort of how it was presented – I don't want to be a cold-hearted person and say there's really no point in helping them, but if you're going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to give somebody that you know money that that person doesn't have to give them an extra two or three months worth of life, That's it's not worth it. On a respirator. Yeah, I mean, like take that. that money and feed some starving children in the third world. Because yeah. honestly, and I think that's part of the problem is there is people just don't know when to just quit and i'm well, sorry I, I know it goes against you know your basic instinct to preserve yourself but if you're if you have terminal cancer and you are you know ill on your deathbed you're not getting out of it so you know no there's no reason to spend millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars on a procedure well i um you know i, I understand where you're coming from and it does sound cold-hearted and you know if that was true if that was if we did have a government system then i would say that that was you know that i and, and you know the money wasn't being spent by the individual if the money's spent by the individual the individual wants to see if they can trade a million dollars for seven more days on the planet it's their money they should trade that money if that's what they wish to do or or if you wanted to give money to a charity that tries to extend the lives of people with terminal diseases you'd be able to do that we'd be able to find out whether the marketplace agrees with you or not nick cuz i happen to agree with you I wouldn't want to give money to a charity that was helping give people an extra two weeks uh, in a hospital bed. But if that's what the government is doing, which they won't be, by the way, the government's not going to, to save your grandparents, and they're not going to save your premature babies, as we've seen th throughout the years of looking at various different socialized health care stories.
But if we uh, if we have a free market in healthcare, then we get to decide individually how to give money to which which charities to give money to. Uh, then the market decides what's important, and that would work the best rather than having a bunch of well, unaccountable bureaucrats on some uh, board sitting around deciding what is pro- important and isn't. There's another problem that I have with the way the insurance system works today, and that's not the the very big expenses that you get from very sick people. I have a problem with the fact that people are using insurance to cover a doctor's visit. Mm-hmm. And many people are, if they're not covered through their work, if they actually have to provide the insurance themselves, they're probably spending a few hundred dollars a month, depending on the coverages and how old they are and their, you know, their past history of claims. They're probably spending a few hundred dollars a month on insurance premiums. And that insurance covers doctor's visits that are probably only about $100 for a routine checkup. Right. That's not insurance. That's insurance. Imp- that's that's essentially a payment plan and a very roundabout and inefficient payment plan. It but is. It and an insurance company, what it does for a living is it inserts itself between you and the person who's providing you a service um, in order to you know extract a certain amount of money out of there. I mean, if I'm paying a doctor to do something, then it's going to cost me less than if I'm paying an insurance company to pay a doctor to have something done for me. And I agree that it takes all the weird motivations out of the marketplace, and I think that people should, by and large, pay their health care provider out of their pocket. Unfortunately, the government set this system up in the first place through its incentives the way that it came out. So, you know, that, that's that's well, where we're screwed up in the first place. You can still buy catastrophic health care coverage to cover a big claim and pay routine costs out of pocket. That, that option's available to people, but I just don't think people are looking at it in that light. Well, I'd look be, at it. That's Seems because sensible. they've been incentivized in that fashion. 1-800-259-9231. And, of course, in a lot of cases, uh, the insurance companies are mandated to offer these very comprehensive plans, which, of course, they probably have asked for. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com features including the wiki with over 2,000 pages created by listeners like you. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com. Get interactive free. W-I-K-I, wiki.freetalklive.com. Take the startpage.com seven-day challenge. For seven days, use startpage.com instead of your big brother's search engine and experience the difference. You'll get search engine results aggregated from, not aggravated, aggregated from 12 major uh, search engines and unlike your old search engine, you will have complete privacy in your search. Start the seven-day challenge today at startpage.com. I've been using it for, I think, more than seven days now, and I, I find it just as just as useful as uh, any of the other search engines that I've ever used. And, you know, I, I like the idea that my searches aren't being cataloged somewhere for someone's use. Indeed. We continue here with your calls and go to Nick in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Nick, and Mark. Uh, okay. Nick, what's uh, on your today, mind tonight? What? What is on your mind? Go ahead. Oh, okay. Lots of stuff. Um, Pick one. <laughs> uh, today, during school, uh, indoctrination camp, whatever you want to call it, um, I was uh, in history class, and we were discussing the ethics of flag burning. Um, 
and uh, I, I sort of want to. Uh, what, what infuriated me so much was the mob mentality. Uh, as soon as I brought up my opinion that ethically, I wasn't speaking, of course, practically. I'm not sure. I, I still am not sure whether there's any practical use for burning a flag. But I was. I only said things from an ethical standpoint. And as soon as I said my opinion, five different people in the room just started pouncing on me. And and a few people said, I, if I if I don't like America, I should just leave it. And like, of course, these are like, you know, teenagers. And yeah. um, well, and of course, they've heard these arguments before, probably from their parents or some other uh, people. And one one person was so idiotic. He said, "You're just not cool if you do that," or something like that. It, it was really laughable. And um, there's uh, there's a self-proclaimed communist in my room, and he, he kept on saying I should get shot for treason. <laughs> and, uh, That's bizarre. Um, it, it was it was really it was funny. Like later on, uh, I have uh, I do this after school program. Uh, I'm in this after school program uh, for a history club, and uh, it was a much smaller uh, gathering of people. And during that, we could actually civilly talk about it, and it was pretty easily decided that people should be able to do it, um, but they shouldn't be like so upfront about it, like waving in people's face and stuff like that. But I, I tried to bring up like certain points, like it's private property and there's nothing ethically wrong with it, and you know. But nobody, nobody wanted to hear it in that well, in that group. Huh? These are young people who yeah. have been going to government school their entire lives, and yeah, like you said, their family members are likely very pro-government uh, because most people are, because that's how they've been indoctrinated to believe. They believe <laughs> that government is good and government is useful, and they've been indoctrinated with this nationalist mentality. Right. With this belief yeah, it's, it's more than saying government's good and government's useful. It's it's akin to state worship. Essentially, what you're saying is yes. This it, is the, the point fl- I was The make. flag is sacred. It I is mean, yeah. the state. It's it, an it, idol. A lot of them. A lot of them were saying, "Well, you know, don't you think it's a symbol?" And I was like, "Well, I think it's a symbol." Like I, I kind of got caught up in my words because I, I said first I said it, it's only a piece of fabric to me, but then I also said it's kind of a symbol of imperialism and and the empire and it's, stuff. And, oh, well, it's and, a and, symbol. Uh, I mean, it represents whatever <clears throat> whatever country it represents or whatever entity it represents, and you're burning a symbol. I mean, you are saying something negative about that country, one would presume. Yeah. You're saying you disagree strongly with it, but that's all you're doing. You're making a symbolic yeah. statement. And that's people don't get upset about flag burning because you're saying, I strongly disagree with whatever country's flag you're burning. They get upset because you've burned a flag. Yeah. And that's right. just some kind of... Sin. You know, and I think that Ian makes some really great points here. First off, I do think that uh, worshiping the flag and worshiping the country is a far more pervasive religion than Christianity is in this nation. Um, you'll, Probably I mean, true. You'll see that uh, you know people of all religions uh, have a tendency to glom onto this, um, this, this the flag is sacred thing, and that's essentially what they're saying. And I guess you can sort of ask them. And you know, it's just a just a thought. You know, what? Well, should I be? Uh, you know, what, what should happen to me if I decide to to burn a to, to bash up a cross or something? Uh, in te- you know, in, in inside of the town square, or if you I mean decide, your own cross? Yeah, the own cross that you you own, or a, a say a a, a a what are those a menorah, or perhaps a, a Thor's hammer? You know, like the the what, I, what, what what a lot of people in the classroom were saying is that yeah it's it's your it's your um it's your private property but you should only be able to do it within your private property like within your backyard within your within your um within like the confines of your house or where you're living you shouldn't be able to do it in public you know if you want to burn a flag in your house that's fine but it's like that kind of defeats the purpose of having it in the first place if you can't do whatever you want with it besides you know uh well, you know like i i i 
I would say I out in Town place. Square that there is there there's some issues of arson going on there. I mean, I, I'm not saying that it's a practical Arson's issue when you burn someone else's property. Un- understood, but you're out burning. You know, I mean, when burning you're burning things. Yeah, burning things on, on on public property sounds right. I guess I guess it depends if the the fire marshal wants to cite you on that, but. The, the courts have traditionally upheld the the idea that burning a flag is symbolic speech and is therefore protected. I I think it should be I should be protected in that sense. I don't support people doing it. I think it is foolish uh, activity. I don't see any point in it. But uh, is if you're talking about American flag, because of things just like this. If you're like talking this, about an American flag, what if I want to burn a UN flag? I've seen you do that, Mark. Yes, yes, I'm fine with that. And and I did it on private property. Oh, I oh. point out you're fine with that because the UN flag's mm-hmm. not sacred. To- I'm, I, the reason is, is I'm not about sacredness. I'm, a, I'm well, about I think, practicality. I think, I think inside the somewhere you is, are, though. The, the fact is that people uh, are upset with American flag burning. It but bothers Nick's got them. you, dude. But Nick's got you. I, I, understand what, me. I, I do understand what you're saying, Mark. I understand you do want to judge the reaction it's going to elicit in people. And I don't really have any desire to burn a U.S. flag. I have burned a U.N. flag. But you understand – I mean, it is – it's morally the same thing. I mean, the same. It's ethics, morally the same. The thing. same ethics apply. I don't. Yeah, that's not my 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 proposal. Is you want to win hearts and minds? Does flag burning win yeah. hearts and minds? I'm not even sure if it's it's really practical either. I but I that's why when I when I said when I started arguing for flag burning, I just did purely an ethical point of view because it doesn't hurt anybody. It's your own private property. Yeah, and I, I think you're think. absolutely right. Maybe yeah. a direction to go with that uh, besides just kind of dead ending where people are getting very angry about what you've said is to start asking people questions about why the flag is so important to them. You know, what does the flag mean to you? Yeah. Oh, well, the flag stands for freedom. Well, do you feel like you're free? You know, you could, <laughs> if, well, or you could say, if, well, if you think you're free, try smoking a joint and not paying your income tax. <laughs> right, so you could go down that road. You could well, also kind of lead to uh, a discussion about the Pledge of Allegiance, which is inevitably sort of the thing that generally is wrapped up yes. uh, with the flag. Uh, yeah. You could go there with it and, and point out uh, to your classmates that the Pledge of Allegiance was actually written by a national well, socialist. And I think what works fairly well is... I think what is also a good thing to point out is if you can point out the fact that people are more upset about the idea of burning you know, burning a symbol, but if you ask them, well, why aren't, you know, if you, you ask these probing questions about things that they care about and the ways that the U.S. doesn't live up to it, it, it's, it, it's important to point out that to them that they are more upset about symbolism than they are about matters of substance. Because yes. I've used that tactic on people. I say, well, do you agree with wars overseas and they say well no and so i say so you think the united states is engaged in an act of aggression but you seem to think that it would be a bigger sin or offense to burn a u.s flag than to support a war of aggression where you kill people who shouldn't be killed right even the talking about the burning of a flag is really it's pointless because you know people will get all uh you know riled up about this burning of uh, of the american flag and you know like <laughs> look your country's gone to hell in a handbasket Fifty years ago, and you care whether or not we burn this flag? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> wake up, dude. Well, wake I, a lot up. of the people who get very angry about flag burning. There are some people who, you know, a lot of people who claim to care about the Constitution and American traditions. A lot of those people get offended when you burn the flag. But then, if you ask them, well, does the the, the nation state as it exists today does it represent those values? Oh well, no. Right, oh, it's and just the flag for- and the flag represents that nation state. Oh well, yes. 
Oh, well, so the flag doesn't really represent those values. The, the flag it? to them represents the values. That's in, absurd. In a flag represents Both a political subjective. entity. I agree with you. The flag does represent a political entity. In this case, it's you know, 50 stars, 50 states, all of that. I, mean, I, think, if, I think if most reasonable people, people who have opinions about things like that, sit back and think about it, they'll kind of come to the conclusion that, well, yeah, a flag is a symbol that represents a political government entity. And if I don't agree with that entity... Is it really worth me getting so riled up about defacing the symbol that represents that entity? Because they're essentially one and the same thing. Well said. Uh, any, Nick, any other thoughts tonight? Um, yeah, I did have an, uh, sort of an irrelevant thought to this uh, topic, if that's okay. 20 seconds, go. Okay. Um, I, I, well, back a few years ago, uh, just a year ago, at the Liberty Forum, I was talking to you guys about um, doing this writing for volunteerism, and I ended up doing it. And I passed it out to about 10 people in the school or so. Excellent. Outreach, always a good idea. Also, uh, another one for outreaching to students, I think, is uh, that is good, is the world's smallest political quiz. You can get them cheap over at theadvocates.org and hand those out uh, because they cost you next to nothing. More coming up. Hour 3 is on the way. This is Free Talk Live. As a small business owner, you know that communication between clients and employees is essential to your company's success. Email is part of your company's DNA. But you didn't get into business to manage email. It's time to evolve with DNAMail.com. Get Microsoft Exchange-hosted email services with free activation and setup, 24-7 support, and 99.99% guaranteed uptime, all starting at $8.95 a month. DNA Mail even supports your BlackBerry and iPhone and offers a free Microsoft SharePoint Internet portal to keep everyone connected. Look, you know what it costs to set up an email system. Don't blow your budget on fighting viruses and having an IT specialist on call. Save time and money with DNAMail.com. Every standard or unlimited exchange mailbox will get a free copy of Microsoft Outlook 2007 or Entourage 2008. Call us at 800-628-3204. That's 800-628-3204. Or visit DNAMail.com and join the evolution. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We continue taking your phone calls about anything. Dustin is in Washington State. You're on Free Talk Live. Dustin. Dustin. Hi, guys. You're on the air. Hey. What's on your mind tonight? Um, I just wanted to bring up something called mesh networks. Have you heard of those before? I have not. What is it? Um, basically, you take a router and you change the, the software. Right? It's called firmware. And mm-hmm. you switch it with something like Linux, and you can link all the routers together and make a, a network. Like you can essentially share an Internet connection across a very large geographic area, something that would otherwise not be coverable by just one router? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, yeah, Google's doing this in um, San Francisco, I believe. It's called Meraki, which is not open source, so I'm not really going into that. Basically, the, the project is for first to share the Internet and get it to where, like, some people, they, they can't afford Internet, and there's this thing called a digital divide. And we're kind of stepping away from that and giving people the Internet for free, and eventually the, the project Who the hell is, can't afford the Internet? That's what I'd like to know. I mean, yeah. if, if you can't afford a computer... 
then I can understand. But if you can afford a computer, then why couldn't you afford 20 bucks a month for an internet bill? I mean, how many of these people that supposedly can't afford internet pay $100 a month for a cable television? I'm sorry. I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I do like the idea of having prolific Internet access. For instance, if you're in a certain place and there are no open Wi-Fi connections, if they're all locked down, it would be nice to have one that is open that you could uh, that you could get on. But, of course, then the tragedy of the commons comes into play, and uh, you may have somebody who's decided to utilize uh, you know, the upstream on that uh, particular Internet connection for their own purposes, uh, running a game server or something like that. And I guess you could say Don't that... Don't forget well, the, uh, po- the uh, child porn download possibility. You could say that the uh, the admins could knock all of those things out, but nonetheless, it it's it seems like there might be some problems that would come along with such a thing. Well, um, there's there's just like a misconception about like what the internet is, I believe, and I think like we can make the internet again in the, in a sense, like we can make it a mesh network that is an entire city and make internet again, and in the sense that like it's not controlled by a central source, each person kind of controls their internet connection to their next door people. Okay, I'm a little confused. So, well, each router connects to every other router, right? Yeah, but only and one of the routers has an actual internet network. Wait a minute. But one, only one of the routers has an actual internet connection, or all of the routers have their own internet connection? At, well, at first, only one or so of the, of the routers would have an internet connection, but when enough people have mesh network routers, it will be the internet. I, I guess I'm a little bit, little bit confused at, at what you're saying. Wouldn't I just have the access to whatever routers are within my broadcast reach? Isn't yeah. Well, in a sense, well, some repeat though. So like they'll get information from routers that near them and send it to routers near you. Is that so uh, how how slow would that be? Actually, faster, I would believe, because okay. with with intercon- internet connections now, when when we're talking about megabyte uh, megabits per second. My internet connection here is like 15 megabits a second. If I were using a, a mesh router to connect to people around me, I could connect up to 300 megabits a second, or megabytes a second, which is magnitudes bigger. Um, how does this uh, affect people who live uh, rurally? Um, I would think that uh, there would be no, you know, this this mesh network you're talking about that's going to change the world is going to change the world in metropolitan areas, and it's going to leave the, mm. uh, the, the rural people out. I mean, I live... I live football fields away from my closest neighbors. Definitely. Well, there. Yeah, it's going to start first on a small scale in, inside of towns. I'm sure, like Google's doing, they're giving away thousands of routers for free in San Francisco to set up these mesh networks. Mm-hmm. But that's not open sourced, and they're going to place ads on it. And what I'm doing is using Linux. There's already there's already a website that gives away the the software for free. Can okay. I say the website? Sure. Yeah. It's called uh, open-mesh.com. Open-mesh.com. I I have to say, Mm -hmm. it sounds intriguing. I don't really know, besides what you're saying, maybe a a faster connection to your neighbors, I don't really know what the benefit will be. Sure. At this point, what you're doing is you're asking the opinion of fools. uh, Right. I don't know. I'm trying to understand. That's all. Yeah, definitely. It's... it's it's another another thing is like you like you said you pay so much a month for internet but with this system like if if everyone's connected to everyone else using just their device you just pay for the device you don't pay for internet service. But you somebody's pay for the paying for the, and the but, power. But wait, 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 wait. Some, somewhere the internet comes from, and that, that's the part that I don't get. Are you saying that yeah. all of this? You're saying that you want all of these mesh networks in the various different uh, metros to connect together, and essentially, as you were saying before, recreate the internet above and and beyond, like a, a different level of the internet. Is that what you're you're talking about? Um. Well, I mean, I understand what you you guys think. 
the internet is now, and it is not what I'm saying it is. You know, like with the mesh with mesh networks, it's like being on a local area network. Yeah. And so, like on a local area network, you can see everyone else's computers. Right? I don't really like access. that very much. I don't know if I like that well, idea. There's security behind it too, because there's encryptions and there's also there's a mesh layer. The mesh is open source. Everyone can log on, but they can't see to your local area network. So that's encrypted. They and can't so, get into your files. What can I get out of it? The way, what, what, can, what do I get on this mesh network? The ability to talk to other people who are uh, geographically uh, close to me and uh, perhaps share files with them. But I, I don't get Wikipedia. I don't get um, you know uh, Yahoo. Well, I don't you do get, get that eBay, because right? somebody's connected to the actual Internet. Somebody's yeah, but I, you only yeah, get that from for, the real Internet, not from this extra Internet thing that he's talking about. Yeah, exactly. And, How and, is it? But hold I on. Mean, okay, there's more. I have another question before you go on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If what you're saying is here that not all of these folks that are using the mesh network will have to have internet access, then how is internet going to be profitable for the companies that are currently offering it? I mean, for instance, you're saying that these people with the round, the first people on the ground level of this will have to have connections to Comcast or to uh, you know Verizon, uh, an actual internet connection that with which they could then share to their neighbors, which is probably a violation of their terms of service. Uh, but they could share that to their neighbors, and therefore their neighbors would be able to get free access to that one Comcast connection. So therefore everybody in the neighborhood's just sharing that one fifty dollar connection. How is how is Comcast supposed to uh, make money off of having their you know, the DS1 or the, not DS1, but the OC2500 large, huge, multi-gigabit connection that they have that they've paid for to share out to all the various different homes in the area if only five homes have signed up to uh, to share the access. Um, well, I guess I would rather ISPs don't exist, personally. I, I would think if everyone's sort of on a local area network and they control all the content and they host their, their websites, if ISPs don't free. exist, the information is moved for free. It's just powering your your router is, is all you have to pay for. And oh, the router wait a minute. Itself. The ISPs are the ones that are fronting the cost of bringing the large internet connections into a very into whatever the area is. So the ISP, whoever it is, whether it's Comcast or a local ISP. The Internet service provider has made an investment into a certain connection uh, that is of a certain size, a certain pipe, if you will, that uh, that will allow them to share that access to their customers, and their customers pay a, pay a price. You're saying you want the ISPs to go away. So how is it you're going to connect the the mesh network in Atlanta to the mesh network in Manchester, New Hampshire? Um. There's uh, another company called Streakwave, and and they're doing the same thing, but it's not open source with their routers either. And basically, you you have to get bigger routers. There's some that are directional antennas, like all the cell so phone you you are have. talking about 100 a 100 percent wireless internet. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, here. exactly. If everyone's connected to everyone else, then you won't really have an ISP. You'll just pay. I can I'm, understand I'm the concept. I mean, not, everything not in the near would... future, the far future. Well, everything would be connected to the same mesh network eventually is the idea that it would just be a global wireless network where all of of the websites and the data that you're accessing are stored on other people's computers. To me, it sounds like reinventing the wheel. Um, We have the wheel, (laughs) and until there's a problem with the wheel, which I'm not saying there won't be a problem with the wheel, I don't think you'll have much luck in um, getting it done. I don't know. 
I, I support uh, you know you doing whatever it is that you want to do. Go 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 have fun. But I I don't know. I mean it just doesn't to me. I wouldn't be interested in going out and and I I couldn't load Linux onto a router if I had to. Um, and if you're living I wouldn't out be interested here, in spending the time doing it if I somebody we, even showed me. We live here in Keene, New Hampshire. I I think this is interesting, and I want to just ask you a little more about this. Because I think you've got, I think there's some big holes in this idea, and one of them is the FCC. Hang on, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Plus, how do you deal with a metro that is out in the middle of nowhere, like where we are out here in Keene, New Hampshire? There's no big area nearby. How do we throw signal to Brattleboro? Become a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 per month. You'll get perks, and you'll help us free more minds worldwide. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231 tonight. It's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. The features include the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo or video proving they listen to the show. See what I mean by going to shrine.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live has uh, teamed up with Midas Resources to bring you Several different uh, silver and gold pieces. You know, it's now's a good time to try to hedge against inflation. Seems like it's kicking in, and gold and silver are good ways to do that. We have at gold.freetalklive.com several pieces that I've picked out myself, including the Lakota Nation Silver Round, the British Sovereign, the 20 franc, and the um, Walking Liberty Half. You can, uh, you know, they, they have a they have a setup there for you to put away on a layaway program. You can uh, put this stuff. So if you don't have enough money to buy 20 coins right now, and that's kind of the magic number. Um, you can lay away 20 and sort of pay on it on a weekly basis as you get your paycheck or biweekly or whatever. So you can go to gold.freetalklive.com to buy uh, in, in quantity now. Or if you want to do the layaway program, you have to call this uh, toll-free number I'm going to give you. It's 877-857-9938. That's 877-857-9938, gold.freetalklive.com. Now we're going to continue this discussion here briefly uh, with Dustin in Washington, who's been telling us about mesh networks. And I'm a, I'm a bit of a computer geek. I, I enjoy... Uh, the the computer the technology world but at the same time I'm not a network administrator uh, while I have a local network that I I guess am an administrator of it's I'm, my abilities are really only kind of very very general I'm not uh, a tr- tr- you know particularly advanced uh, networker I have the ability to plug a router in do some configuration of the router uh, plug the the necessary computers into that router and you know kind of get that that level of networking taken care of so. I'm doing my best here to understand what it is Dustin has been explaining to us. Dustin, are you still with us? Dustin in Washington, are you there? Hey. Okay. Now, let me see if I can recap what you've described as a wireless mesh network. And if I go wrong with this recap, please correct me. But it's my understanding that what you're saying is that a wireless mesh network is basically people in a certain uh, geographic area that have wireless routers, and most people have these, that have essentially... I have a couple. Right, that have essentially installed a special mesh networking-capable uh, operating system or firmware onto that router. 
router, and that's, uh, that particular firmware will allow that router to talk to all of the other routers that are within the immediate vicinity and share information directly uh, wirelessly with those other wi- wireless routers, whereas otherwise those routers would only be able to communicate through the existing wired Internet. So you're essentially creating another network of Wi-Fi routers all over town. Uh, am I right so far? Yeah, exactly. And okay, there's and there's already companies that do wireless ISP too. Yeah, so I know. I've uh, I, I remember they were down in Florida, and I tried to get them to come out to my house to uh, give me quotes, and they were a bunch of jerk. Uh, they weren't jerks, but they they <laughs> dropped the ball. Uh, I came out, and you know, I had them come out and, and look at my house and and give me a you know an estimate on what it would cost, and they never got back to me, and it was just a nightmare. And I don't know, they probably went out of business. But I I've always liked the idea. I mean, I like radio. I'm a radio geek as well as a computer geek. So the two mixing together is just wonderful. Um, but so what you but then you went further with this description because. Because what you described sounds pretty useful. You know, the idea of wirelessly connecting various different routers together, it allows you to bypass, essentially, the Internet service provider's network and just share, share things directly with those other people on this new Wi-Fi Internet. But where things get confusing for me is the idea that this, as you suggested, could somehow replace the existing Internet. And that's where I start to have some, you know, some questions that I, th- I think need to be answered. And and are we uh, guys in the studio here, Nick, Mark, are you all on the same page here? Are we, yeah. Are we all yeah. getting this? Yes. Okay. So now the issue comes to, you said this could be worldwide. And I can see how it's useful in a city where you have people geographically located nearby one another. But Mark lives out in the woods. So, and you know, you don't live really far from uh, Keene, New Hampshire, Mark, but you live a few miles away. And Wi-Fi routers are restricted by the FCC to have a very, very limited uh, transmitting capacity. Uh, I don't know what it is, but it's probably milliwatts because they really typically only go about a, you know, a, a standard quarter acres properties worth. If they're inside your home, you could get an outdoor antenna to you know, push it to the max. But legally, you can't up the wattage. The manufacturer certainly can't. I do understand that some of these Linux-based uh, softwares you're, you're promoting do have an option to turn up to crank up the uh, the transmitter power but at the same time the hardware itself isn't necessarily designed to handle too much power so sure. you're only looking at transmitting a few more milliwatts as opposed you're not going to be up to 10 watts or anything like that it's just not an option at this point so you've got the fcc in the way i would think of you know because mark you're not going to be able to get on the mesh network because there's nobody else around within your vicinity that you could connect to with the existing hardware how do you address that one um, well, there's there's directional antennas like I brought up before that that cell phone companies actually have, and these are these are for you know, going miles and miles and miles. They'll they'll go like 12 miles. On how many watts? I I don't know. They're like the, you know, have you seen those big drums on like cell phone towers? Oh yeah, sure. yeah, big giant. Yeah, those drums. are directional antennas. Yes, they are. Uh, they're covered in they're covered in a, a, a coating in order to uh, protect them, but they are essentially they they look like that you know like a satellite receiver dish, but it's got a little pokey thing in the middle and that kind of d- directs it. Um, but that you that that's an expensive thing to run. Yeah, how how yeah, are you going to be able to afford a tower at your house? I yeah, mean, definitely. I mean, these are some things that I I just kind of throw out. You know, like mm-hmm. it's just it's just like I'm looking at the incentives, not really the practicalities all the way, because like right now Google is doing this on a small scale in a city, like you're saying. And there's also a city in Korea that they're building from the ground up where everything's wireless. I think it's a, a cool idea city. for the cities. I do. I think that's a great idea. I mean, here in Keene, Little Keene, it wouldn't be hard to set something like that up uh, here. It wouldn't be a, a big deal at all. But then you get to the issue of sharing the Internet connections of the uh, the ISPs, which I don't 
know exactly what their terms of service say. I mean, who really reads those things? But uh, but yeah, I would imagine <laughs> it might say something to the effect of you can't share this surface, you know, beyond your your household. Uh, th- they probably wouldn't like it very much if they found out that one of their internet connections was being shared by 50 different households in a certain geographic area. That's not how they set up their business plan, I can tell you that. Right, so I, I doubt they'd like that very much. So you're going to come up against that uh, at a certain point. But as far as setting, setting it up for people to transfer files and things like that and to, uh, to network across town uh, above and beyond uh, having to interact with the internet service providers, that makes sense. Getting the uh, transmissions to other cities in remote areas would seem to be very difficult and power-consuming. Uh, I don't know what it costs to transmit the uh, Internet signals through the ground, you know, in the, the cables that they have, but I imagine it might be a little more expensive than or to, to transmit them. I mean, Mark, you've seen, if you go to Radio Locator, radio-locator.com, and type in the call letters of the most powerful FM station in your local area, you know, find yourself a 50,000-watt or 100,000-watt FM, and then look at the map as far as the uh, look at the map of the coverage signal to see how far 100,000 watts goes. And then look at your power bill and figure out how much it would cost you uh, to operate a 100,000-watt transmitter. And I'm not saying that's what you'd need. You certainly wouldn't need uh, 100,000 watts to get from one city to another. But it would seem to be kind of prohibitively expensive to throw a Wi-Fi signal from city to city. But then again, I'm not, as I say, a technological expert. I could be wrong about this, and I hope that I hope you're right, Dustin. I hope somebody does put something like that together and manages to build an alternative secondary Internet that people can opt to uh, opt into. Thanks Everything for, needs competition. Yeah, thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Hey, podcasters. FTL has a new advertiser with a somewhat unusual arrangement. They're paying us for people that fill out their online form for inspections for their basements. You won't believe how affordable a dry, usable basement can be, and FTL gets 50 bucks for everyone that fills out the online form at basement.freetalklive.com. 500 bucks off, a lifetime warranty, and a free water watch alarm. Just go to basement.freetalklive.com, click on free inspection and estimate in the upper right-hand corner, Fill out the online form, earn FTL 50 bucks. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's in with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free for you, so enjoy those on us, including updates. You can get signed up. We'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. That's updates. .freetalklive.com. The Millionaire Patriot says now is the time for you and your family to be armed and trained to levels that exceed law enforcement and military standards. Front Sight provides just such training without any boot camp mentality or drill instructor attitudes. You can secure a Front Sight defensive handgun course today plus the corresponding 30-state concealed weapon permit and get a free XD pistol in the caliber of your choice. Go to frontsight.com today. That's F-R-O-N-T. S-I-G-H-T dot com. Frontsite.com. We continue with your phone calls and go to Frank in New York. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Frank. Uh, good evening, gentlemen. What's on your mind? Uh, yeah, I wanted to raise one question. I enjoyed the comments by the uh, young uh, university student in Florida regarding the health, uh, I guess, seminar 
at his university. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question is this. Again, I'm going to raise my point, and then I'll ask my question. The point is this, that if we have a single-payer health system, such as Medicare for everyone, which could have been signed into effect 20, 30 years ago, uh, whereby we don't offer private, expensive health programs or health insurance policies that allow for a lot of elective surgery and things. And by not allowing the president, Congress, the Senate, the civil servants that have a choice of picking between two major high-end health programs uh, at all levels of their pay grades, by having everyone in one collective uh, Medicare uh, system that would be applied to everyone, uh, I think that's really the only fair system because if we have a two-tiered system where it's not a single-payer system, it'll be all well and good uh, during the uh, fat years when the uh, premiums exceed the liabilities. But when you get into a generational turn, such as when the baby boomers are beginning to retire in mass numbers, then the private insurance companies will declare bankruptcy the moment the uh, liabilities exceed the premiums and everyone will be left without insurance. And that's one thing that is the only guarantee under a capitalistic uh, system that allows for private insurance. That's the only guarantee, that when profits disappear, the corporations will go bankrupt to avoid their existing liabilities. And, uh, you know, it's a very simple system. That's why no other country in the world has a dual system with private insurance and uh, a single-payer health insurance system. They're all paid for by the taxes the people uh, pay to the government. And what's interesting is we, we have no health insurance collectively for most of the people in this country, yet we pay among the highest taxes in the world, the working class, sure. the poor, and we, the middle class. And we, we get no them. benefits for it. And I think it's time, if Obama can save it, $900 billion a year is too much, we have to cut... Uh, you know, components down when we can spend $23.7 trillion to bankrupt, uh, to, to banks and industries that bankrupted this country over the last 15 years. Uh, you know, the, that amount is a small, the $900 billion a year is a small number for a nation of 445 million citizens. And that's the point I want to make. And I think if we could have only one system, and we wouldn't allow the president and the members of Congress. Uh, but to wait have a minute, Frank. I don't want a that different system. system. It would be but much better to be, system. you know, more equitable for everyone. Frank, That's, I don't. But but what about me? I don't want that system. Yeah, but the point is, what about people like me that have paid taxes their whole life and now they don't have health insurance when they need it? That's unfair. That's as your well. fault for paying taxes. No, it isn't. Because if I didn't pay my taxes, what would happen? I don't know, Frank. What would happen? I assume I would be arrested and prosecuted. Well, what if everybody didn't pay America, their taxes? That's America, my friend. What if, what if more people didn't pay their taxes? Would they prosecute everyone? Well, you know, I would like to see a referendum where we could actually end the federal income tax. After seeing how poorly the Federal Reserve has managed this money supply over the last 70 years, I think uh, the time now when we find out with an audit that the Fed is bankrupt is the time to terminate the uh, 
uh, Internal Revenue Service and the federal income tax. I'm all in favor of that, Frank, but you, you and I both know that the IRS and the other, uh, their buddies in the federal government are not going to allow anything like that to, hap- uh, to well, happen. Well, you know, it's interesting. Point. They're going to have to deal for the first time yeah, since the, well, actually the first time, uh, I guess, since the Great Depression, when there'll be more liabilities and less taxes collected, because even in New York, people are losing their jobs left and right. Well, if you, and when they if lose you don't their like capacity the to earn a living, Frank. they're not going to be able to pay 46.3% or 33.1% of their earnings in federal income tax. That, that revenue is going to disappear, as it's doing now. But a, a, a single-payer system isn't going to change the fact that with an aging population, you're going to have more liabilities and profits entering the system. So essentially, you're just forcing young people to work to pay for insurance or medical yeah, but, care you know, for people old people. People have been paying Social Security taxes but, since the 1930s. And it's their fault for not making sure that the politicians no, didn't spend them. No, because they had yes, no control is. over that. That was they done did. without their consent. Yeah, they, they did. I don't, you know... Yes, it was done without their consent. Without so their consent they could have said no. They could have said so no, I, Frank. So I should be forced Congress, to, go to ahead. I should be forced to work for the rest of my life to pay for the medical care of older people. But what people? about all those millions and, and they tens of millions of people that have done that, and now when they need their benefits they've paid for, we're saying, oh, we're not going to provide They're not them. going to be there. If you go to a single-payer system, the government is just going to cut the amount of coverage that it offers. That's what it will have to, make to do is cover those medical liabilities and forget spending, you know, $1.3 trillion over a two-year period on the military-industrial no. complex. Well, that would and that's, be- what, that's the only workable solution. Well, the time- We've bankrupted ourselves with these tremendous, since 1947, military budgets. And now, now we're in a situation. I have not bankrupted I, myself with a with a military budget. My uh, my budget well, does not include a military see, budget. The, the, the point is, most of our federal tax dollars uh, go into the military more so than the social programs. And look, I can look, Frank, I'm all in favor of ending the military, but I'm also in favor of ending the entire well, federal government. The, the, the point I, 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 you know, what, I have to be honest. I would like to see the entire federal government ended as well. You don't get to have that happen, happen, Frank. Frank, you don't get that's to have not, that happen if you're out advocating for a one-size-fits-all government health care system. No, I think it's. A, I think you can't it's have a them critical, both. It's we're at a critical juncture where a huge amount of people that even have supposed health insurance according to the government, but it's not comprehensive or when they really need it for a major life or death operation, it's not going to be there. It's time to acknowledge that and say that for all of the taxes that people have paid, all we get every year, every 10 years, no health insurance, more TV programs. Like Yet, Frank, Canada, you want to put those Canada same bureaucrats, Frank, system. Frank, yeah, ahead, you've identified finish. some real problems with how people have paid in and they've been getting screwed. But yet you want to pay, you want to put those same bureaucrats in charge of your health care? What are you, you know, thinking? No, my solution would be to get, to get the, let's say, the best Canadians down here for a five-year period and to engineer a system modeled on theirs. No, Frank. Their, their system sucks. Like their system sucks. People leave no, Canada doesn't. to get it's health care here in the United States. The Why do people leave Canada to get their health care in the United States very when they need operations? Very few of them do that. Uh, very few of them do it. Primarily people that want elective surgery like plastic surgery no. or this and that. <laughs> no, but try brain surgery and other that. things like that and heart surgery. No. Thank uh, you but the Frank, call. before you... No, oh, uh, God. Frank, um, the... <laughs> I've just you know got another question here. So Frank, what? Running um, out of time. Absolutely, and you're going to make me lose my train of thought if you keep on bugging me. Um, the <laughs> on um, w- w- that's it. It's gone. That's good because you can't get Frank to answer a question in 30 seconds. Thank you, Frank, for the call tonight. You couldn't have been able to get an answer out of it well, anyway. The point I was going to make, Frank didn't really want me to get a word in. 
I don't really see, and this is a generational thing, I don't really see why people of my generation should be forced to pay for the social security benefits of an older generation that allowed the government to take it from them for 40 or 50 years. The time to make sure that the government wasn't robbing social security was over the last four or five decades when the older generation was had the ability to d- make those kinds of decisions. Mark, do you think Frank would have finished answering your question by now? Probably not. Mike, More on I- the way here. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Doesn't like the idea of a federal government, but yet wants the federal government to run his health care programs. Very confused. Free Talk Live. The second annual Connecticut Liberty Forum is coming October 17th. Join Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, We the People Foundation founder Bob Schultz, author James Perloff, the Campaign for Liberty's Jim Azola, and more discussing ways to protect our freedom. The Connecticut Liberty Forum, October 17th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Sheraton Hotel in Windsor Locks. Visit NHELD.com for more information or call 860-354-3590. That's 860-354-3590. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want, even in these remaining moments. Maybe enough time for your call at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. If you like this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Whatever it is you need to buy, they probably sell it at Amazon. Dozens of categories, even used items. Get your shopping done and get the stuff you need and the stuff you want at amazon.freetalklive.com. Now, if you're looking for audio titles like uh, audio books and such things, you should head over to audible.com. It's the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. You can listen to them whenever and wherever you want, just like a podcast. And They've got a lot to choose from. Over 60,000 titles in every genre. Audible has it covered. Get your free audiobook download. That's right. You get your first one free when you sign up today. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. That's audiblepodcast.com slash FTL for your free audiobook. As we continue with your phone calls, Rick is in California. Rick, you're on Free Talk Live with you, Nick and Mark. Hey, guys. Hey, Rick. Hey, guys. Um, I, I have some uh, comments about uh, science-related stuff that you've been talking about. Okay, sure. And uh, So th- there's one thing that came up with. These are just a few different topics, but, uh, I mean, I heard Mark say that cows probably generate a lot of CO2. Nope, and, methane. Oh, but, okay, but that's a greenhouse gas that causes the greenhouse warming. Correct. But, but the, the thing is, what what scientists have uh, calculated is that uh, humans are outputting a whole lot of CO2, uh, which is causing the, the climate change. And I, I think most of that is coal-fired power plants. So, I, I mean, I don't think you have to become a vegetarian in order to work against climate change. The, the way to work against climate change is to basically switch over the whole system to wind and solar instead of uh, burning coal. I think dirty coal is the best answer to climate change. What does that mean? Well, and here's just my opinion on this, but as I understand it, there was concern not only about the pollution being bad for you, but one of the reasons that the Clean Air Act was passed decades ago 
was that there was also this concern that all that particulate matter in the air, back when cars didn't have catalytic converters, they released a lot of smog, and power plants burned very dirty. The The idea was that all of that crap being put into the air, all of that particulate matter, it would eventually settle out, but that that could also have a cooling effect on the planet. So I think that inadvertently, if you're going to buy, you know, completely buy into the theory, is that clean CO2 emissions are going to have more of a warming effect than dirty CO2 emissions that also serve to put particulates in the air that would reduce the amount of sunlight actually getting to the Earth's surface. Well, doesn't that presume the Earth is warming? Is it actually warming? It is. It warm, is warming. Point, point, uh, six degrees, point, point 0.6 degrees Celsius in the last 100 years. Okay. And CO2 is a greenhouse and gas. Mars is warming faster. But CO2 is a greenhouse gas. I'm not going to deny that. I just have, I, I do have my doubts about how isolated it's not like they're observing the, the climate change that we've seen in isolation so it's very difficult to tell well what effect has solar activity had on that what effect has have other natural cycles had on that warming we do trend. know that the planet can handle being significantly warmer i mean there there it's are farms um that, that you know they had they found archaeological evidence of farms um on greenland which is now covered in a giant sheet of very thick ice so i think that probably the world can handle um a couple few degrees I do under- warming i mean i do understand the concern about you'll put all of the co2 into the atmosphere and by the time the the warming catches up well it's going to get very warm. I, could, I understand what, the concern, but I, I also have my doubts about uh, about the most alarmist theories that are out there. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not, I mean, you, you say it's a theory, but this is, I mean, basically, it's kind of like saying evolution is just a theory and it might no, be false. No, it's not. False, but actually, Nothing there's like a ton that. of evidence to no. back it well, up. No, I mean, evolution's got 100 years behind it, man. Evolution's got a hundred years of, behind it. This is a few years worth of some scientists, well, most of whom are paid well, by organizations no, that will there's benefit. There's no disagreement among the scientists, and they scientists, what? Most what? scientists go go on YouTube and look. There's scientific debates all over on this thing. Yeah, there's very little among the people who actually well, study climate. That's they, wrong. they are modeling the no, fact that incorrect. the Earth is going to increase in temperature now. Politically, they don't. Thank goodness. I hope it does. Thanks for the call. I appreciate hearing from you. I hope it does increase in temperature. It's freaking cold here in the winter. (laughs) (laughs) CO2 is a greenhouse gas. So there is no, there really is no doubt that putting, you know, the the mechanics of how a greenhouse gas operates, there there really isn't much doubt about that. But I think I recall that about 4% of the CO2 that is currently in the atmosphere is man-made. Right. About, and it, this you know, is really what you've got to ask yourself is I, you know, I'm there in my house. I'm sitting there thinking about the CO2 that's being, um, you know, excreted in the atmosphere. I see my dog, her sides slowly rising and falling, um, her excreting this CO2 into the atmosphere, which is food for plants, by the way. I see my big fat cat, well, him doing it. I see my son in the next room, him playing and laughing, all that extra CO2 he, he expends while laughing. I see my wife, uh, you know, the, 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 the CO2 she expends while complaining about my behavior. You know, all <laughs> this CO2 is being expended. Wouldn't I really be just a better human if I took all five of these creatures out in the front lawn and shot them in the head? It's for the earth. I mean, that's what these people are talking about. The Earth told me to do it. It's yeah, and, it's, and you're right. And, Nick, you said quietly earlier, uh, just to reiterate, this is not a uh, foregone conclusion. This is not something well, where all of the scientists agree. That's nonsense. It, it, not even close. Yeah, it, I mean, it is. We've seen a warming trend 
over the last hundred years or so. Yeah. It's been a small warming trend, and it is much smaller than natural cycles that occurred in pre-industrial times. Yes. So the idea that it even rises, the trend that we've seen even rises above the noise level that you get in natural variations is absurd. They are lying if they say that. Right. So, I mean, and they can, you know, I'm not saying that global warming doesn't get contributed to by people. I don't know that. I don't know either, but let's go to your phone calls about what you want. Michael's in New Hampshire on the amp line. Sounds like he's at a party. Michael, you're on the air. Good evening, gentlemen. What's on your mind tonight? I just want to say that uh, science, everything in science is a theory until it's disproven. That's just how it works. Until it's uh, disproven. That's not why I called. Okay. Until it's until it's disproven or okay. or, proven or proven incorrect. Got it. All right. Your thoughts. Well, even if you prove it, it's still a theory. <laughs> I see. Because it could be proven wrong. It could it could be proven wrong at any time in the future. Look at Einstein's theory of relativity. Right and quantum physics. So go ahead. Right. Um, but the reason the reason I called is uh, I, I like to call you guys every few months because uh, you guys talk about what's going on in Keene all the time and uh, not so much about what's going on in Manchester. And I don't know if you talked about this tonight, but uh, we had a uh, little uh, 420 gathering up here in uh, Veterans Park. And yeah, we actually talked about it last night. Uh, you guys had several people, uh, over 30 people, show up for the 420 celebration, but everybody forgot the weed. And, uh, everybody so some, forgot the weed. So somebody <laughs> had to go get it. But you, you, you ended up pulling it off, and the, the, uh, the cannabis was smoked, and the police left you alone. I heard today uh, also no one brought weed. Is that true? You heard that who brought weed? I heard no one what? brought it today. Is that true? Um, actually, what I, what I understand, a lot of people brought weed. Oh, great. That's what it smelled like. Good. Okay, good <laughs> to know. The, the funny part of that is that uh, before 420, um, like from 4 o'clock on, there were cops all over the place around, you know, it's downtown Manchester. Mm-hmm. There's, there's cops always driving by because the police station's close by. So 4 o'clock to 4.15, there's a bunch of cops all over the place. At, at 420, they all disappeared. Very strange. Mm. So at, at 420, there's not a cop to be seen for 15, 20, 25 minutes. Now, what y'all have to do is uh, network with the uh, the regular Manchester folk and, and get them to come out uh, to expand it beyond just the activists. Uh, that's what's worked out here in Keene. Of course, we're talking about the daily cannabis celebrations that have now spread from the Keene area out to Manchester. And, and yes, Michael, we have been talking about this, just to point out. Uh, we've talked about uh, some of the things that have been going on over there in Manchester, because uh, since the arrival of Big Mike, uh, which is not you, you're a different Michael, uh, but since the arrival of Big Mike, things have really started to pick up as far as civil disobedience there, and I think it's a great trend. It, it is a great trend, and we have these people coming here to Taproom Tuesday, which is the, the gathering we have here every week. Uh, you guys have the, the gathering every Sunday afternoon in Keene at, at Vendetta's. and uh, Actually, it's no longer there, but you can get the, the latest update at uh, freekeen.com. Oh, oh, well, it used to be there. We had to move to a bigger venue. It's gotten too big for Vendetta. Anyway, go ahead. Quick, quick. That's great. But uh, to, to, to wrap this up, I just wanted to mention we've got lots of new people here. Uh, the yoga protest in, in Raymond, New Hampshire, brought a new person in who's a native. Uh, Bradley Jardis is here. Dave Ridley is here. I, it's a good place to be. Bradley Manchester Jardis. is definitely a real competitor to Keene as far as destinations for upcoming liberty activists that are moving to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. Thanks, as always, Michael. Michael from HomelandStupidity.us. Yeah, we like competition. And we'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com.
Hey there, podcast listeners. I just wanted to preface what is going to come next in this extended podcast. I was not involved in the production of this beyond just tacking it on to the end of this particular episode. It's basically just Mark talking to whoever he finds interesting. So for those of you that really like Mark, this will be right up your alley. And for those of you that aren't so much a fan of Minarchy, I don't know how you'll feel about it because his first guest is Rand Paul. Uh, As far as who his next one will be, I do not know, but you can expect he may be doing more of these in the future. So to those of you who appreciate it, enjoy. To those of you who don't, well... You don't have to listen. Here you go. So this is an additional interview, and I have a very special person on the line. That's Rand Paul. Uh, Rand and I met at, uh, I guess it was 2008 when his dad was running uh, for president. And um, Rand, are you there? Yes, I am. Good to be with you, Mark. Thank you very much, sir. Um, it's it's good to talk to you again. Uh, so I know I know you're running for uh, the Senate seat in Kentucky. Tell me about your run. Well, we're pretty excited by it. It's been an amazing last three or four months. Um, We got involved initially because uh, the powers that be were trying to push Senator Bunning out. And so we actually got involved in the beginning simply by defending Bunning because Senator Bunning voted against the bank bailout when a lot of Republicans didn't have the guts to do so. So we were actually defending him. But then in the end, he made the decision not to run again. And so we... uh, we're in a good position to go ahead and announce, and since we announced three months ago, we've actually raised a million dollars. So, well, that's that, that that seems like a substantial amount. I'm I'm no expert in the political field. I try to avoid it as much as possible, but I, a million bucks sounds like a lot of money for a Senate run. Well, it is, and we've also had some initial polling that shows us dead even with the leading Democrat and just a little bit behind the establishment Republican. But uh, we really have just started campaigning, and I think as we do, it's going to be a real horse race. So the the establishment Republican, from from whence do they come? Uh, He's the Secretary of State. He's a career politician, been in politics his whole adult life, uh, in political office, never really held another job, and really, I don't think, would know what to do if he didn't have a position in government. I got gotcha. you. So, uh, we're running sort of as the outsider. You know, I'm a career physician, right. not a politician. We're arguing for some things like term limits, which I think a lot of people are for, but we never seem to be able to get through. Yep. We're arguing for some things like uh, making a rule that says they have to balance the budget because they aren't to be trusted. And it works in about 30 out of 50 states where we actually, like in Kentucky, we have to balance our budget by statute. And therefore, it's done every year. That's what the U.S. Congress needs. Yeah, I, it's my understanding they have to do that in California too. It hasn't exactly kept spending down, but I'm not saying it's not a good step. Well, it only works. It only works if it has some teeth to it. Apparently, yeah. the one in California can be evaded. Okay. And I... uh, if you know, it's the same with a balanced budget. If you had a balanced budget amendment in Washington, if it can be evaded, it's of no value. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just like the uh, the army's uh, you know re-upping the spending on the army every two years. Uh, you know, obviously that's not doing anything for keeping down spending in the military. Right. So um, the you said you're a doctor. What kind of doctor are you? I think I'm sure people are going to want to know this. I'm an eye surgeon and have been in private practice in a small town in Kentucky, Bowling Green, for about 16 years now. Excellent. We're actually on in Bowling Green on uh, Saturday nights. It's uh, it's uh, they've been an affiliate of ours for I think a couple of years now. Well, good. So, um, the uh, 
as far as the run goes, you said you were a couple of points behind the establishment guy, and it does sound like they have a lot of name recognition. Not that I know the name, um, but you know, having been the AG and and been in uh, public office the whole time, and that can be uh, you know kind of it can be t- tough to get across. But you're only a couple of points behind um, him. How many points is a couple? Well, the uh, initial poll was taken uh, about a month ago, right after we announced, probably a week or two after we announced. Okay. And we were at 25%, and he was at 36%. Okay. But a margin of error of a few points. Right. So really, uh, most of the mainstream media was uh, really, uh, I think, amazed at how well we did because we haven't bought any TV. Mm-hmm. We hadn't purchased any direct mail. And I've been to about 20 or 30 GOP picnics, but that's, uh, you know, it just shows, I think, though, that there's an, an uneasiness out there or a discontent. You see it in these tea parties. You see it in the people who are marching in the streets because they're worried about the deficit. Yep. So um, that was the – you were 11 points behind then. Uh, that was a couple of weeks after announcing. It's been it's been three months now um, that you've been on. Have, we haven't ha- had any other – we had another poll maybe a, a few weeks after that. It had similar results. Okay. But uh, we're just beginning to mail to the Republican primary voter. Okay. And uh, so we think the numbers are going to change and can only go up for us. But we think we're at a great position to begin with, um, and I, I think the sky's the limit. I mean, most media pundits in Kentucky, I think, give us a realistic shot of winning this, and every day we become more and more convinced we're going to win it. Now, um, what is, when, when is this uh, primary? It'll be May 18th next spring. Oh, so you've got a ways to go to get there. That's a good thing. Yeah, we're still very early on, but, you know, instead of starting with, you know, Almost no support. We're starting with already a quarter of the party. And uh, we really think as we get the message out there, there's a lot of Republican voters who are unhappy that their leadership hasn't adhered to the platform. Oh, yes. The Republican platform actually in many ways is very good with believing in limited government. The problem is just that the leadership hasn't adhered to the platform. Yeah, yeah they're, they're lying, Rand. <laughs> <laughs> you, um, can, you can call it that, or you can say they're being disingenuous. That's a nicer <laughs> word. You can, well, I understand you're running for office, so perhaps you should call it disingenuous. I, however, go. am going to call it a lie. <laughs> um, so now you've got until May to, uh, to, to, get, you know, to, to make up this 11 points, which really isn't that much. That's the converting of... Uh, Six, uh, excuse me, five and a half percent uh, from their side to your side. No big deal. Um, what, uh, what, what, what kind of advertising do you intend to use to get that done? Uh, we'll be all over TV in the spring. You're going to do we'll TV, be all good. Over the radio in the spring. And the one thing we have they don't have is we have an amazing grassroots movement in Kentucky and around the country. Yeah. We have people that are already going door to door. We've already had kids come and visit our state in high school and college from other states to come here and go door to door. Yeah. We've probably already given out 50,000 pieces of literature. Jeez. Um, so <laughs> you do have huge support, and I know people are sending all kinds of money from outside the district. Is there any kind of, uh, any kind of stipulation if, I, if, you know, if somebody sends money from outside of uh, Kentucky? No, not at all. In fact, people can visit our website, randfall2010.com, and they're welcome to contribute from any state. 
The only rule is I think you cannot contribute if you live outside of the country. Okay. Um, but often Senate races, because it's the U.S. Senate, these are big races. Yeah. And this is an open seat, which is about the only time you ever have a seat change hands. So um, you'll see most Senate races and most people who win will raise a significant amount from out of state. Some people will try to make an issue of that. But, you know, our Senate, our sitting Senator Mitch McConnell raised $20 million, and I think about half of it was from out of state. Okay. Now, um, the as, as far as raising money out of state, I'm sure that I, I know you're getting uh, plenty of it, and it's getting to be the end of the quarter, so it's kind of uh, you know some kind of crunch time as far as reporting or something like that. I remember with your dad's campaign, it mattered right. somehow that the end of the quarter was coming up, and, and so that's happening. Well, the news... Yeah, the news media feeds on the cycles of the quarters. And so the big story once the quarter ends is who raised the most that quarter. And there is a realistic chance that we may have raised the most of the four main candidates in the race. Um, Nobody else releases theirs. We release ours real time on the web. Hmm. And so people know what they have to shoot against. So they already know whether they're going to beat us or challenge us. But we're very close to a million dollars. I think if we raised thirty, we're we're across a million total, but we're close to a million for the quarter. If we raised thirty thousand more in the next couple of days, we could uh, actually have a million dollars for the quarter. If we win, basically the quarter, the fundraising uh, uh, race for the quarter, we'll get all the headlines basically. So that's why it becomes important. I see. It's an artificial deadline in a way. But the media pays attention to it, and if we win that uh, quarterly race, uh, you'll see us getting headlines across Kentucky and really across the U.S. Yeah, it's kind of like when the uh, when the when the when they're calling the horse race, you know, and and uh, they're 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 calling who's just rounded the the first corner. Exactly, that, that's the first corner, and uh, you'd like to be out uh, ahead there. I can imagine that it's a it probably be very good for your campaign. Yes, a lot of media attention, and uh, a lot of people ask, you know, then coming to you. There's some people who come to you because they believe in your message, but yeah. there's a whole bunch of other folks that will come once they believe you can win. They really are. Uh, there, there are a lot of them. I, obviously, your message is what's drawing probably me and my audience uh, to, to pay attention to your race. And I really wanted, before we talked about the money, wanted to get into some of the issues with you and just sure. kind of feel you out. You know, um, libertarians, the, what they always want to know is they want to know how libertarian you are. So I'm going to hit you on some tough issues um, right off the bat, and, and we'll see, you know, that way we can see, okay? Rand? Fire away. Okay. Uh, Federal Reserve, should it live? <laughs> well, I think the first step I'm definitely in favor of, and that's auditing the Fed, and that's been in the news lately, and that's a big and important first step. Um, when people ask me, you know, whether we should re- replace or rehire Bernanke, I say, well, you know what, a good first step might be just not to hire anybody in place of him and maybe restrict the open market committee's duties uh, severely. Those are all sort of first steps. My dad always talks about ending the Fed, and I agree with that also, and we'll endorse that. But I think we also ought to have some in-between steps that we endorse, and I think audit the Fed's a good start. And I think Maybe, you know, another thing he likes to point out is when people say we need more regulation, he says, yeah, we sure do. We need more regulation of the Fed. (laughs) So I think that's a good way of putting it when people say they want to regulate because they think things are out of control. 
is, yeah, they are out of control, but it's the Federal Reserve that's out of control. Now, um, I, I haven't read your dad's uh, book, In the Fed, and I intend to pick it up because I really am kind of interested in what kind of intermediate steps one might take to get from where we are today to a value-backed currency. I have no idea how one w- might go from here to there. I just think that it's, you know, it's, it's right and it's just. So I'm, I'm interested in getting that book, but I, I don't know what the interim steps might be. So um, the I guess uh, next question uh, foreign military adventurism uh, you know we're we're in a war in Afghanistan Iraq and apparently in Somalia at least to some extent or another not to mention troops in about uh, 130 nations worldwide what do you think about that Well I think when we look at the uh, enumerated powers of the Constitution I always tell people that the primary enumerated right under the Constitution is national defense. So I do think it's the most important thing that our country does. But from there, you have to define what is in our best security interest and what is in our best national uh, security interest as well as what should comprise our national defense. I think most importantly that when you're in Congress as a senator or a congressman is that the most important vote you'll ever have is on going to war. And I think it should be treated very, very seriously and that we shouldn't go willy-nilly into war without making a formal declaration like the Constitution mandates. And so, you know, had I been in Congress at the time of Afghanistan, I would have demanded a vote on declaration of war, but I would have voted for it because I think we can't allow people to organize attacks from other countries and attack us without uh, retribution. Yeah, I think in Congress when Iraq happened, I would have demanded a vote on declaration of war, but I would have voted against Iraq, against war with Iraq, because I did not feel that they threatened our national security. Yeah, I think that uh, Afghanistan was at a funny time, and I I probably would have voted to uh, invade Canada at the time. I I think now, uh, seven years later, that it's pretty clear that there isn't anything left for the United States in Afghanistan, if there ever was. Um, I'm against... I think that's the important part of the debate that we need to have now is what are our goals in Afghanistan? Is there still a terrorist threat there, or are we just nation-building? And it's really, even in the Republican Party, George Bush ran on a platform of a humble foreign policy and no nation-building. Many within the Republican Party have acknowledged that countries that have had difficulty being countries since their inception it's very difficult, and even an endless supply of money may not be able to create a country out of Afghanistan because it's full of such disparate people who don't want to be in the same country. Yeah, there's, uh, I believe there's two, tri- two tribes there, the Tajiks and the Pashtuns, and I don't see any reason why those two uh, ethnic groups should be forced to live in the same country because, well, some guy from England drew it on the map one day. Right, and it's even more complicated than that. I mean, out okay. in the western part of Afghanistan, they speak, they speak Farsi, and they're much more closely aligned with the Iranians. In the north, the Uzbeks and the Tajiks are more aligned with the northern tribes and with the countries just to the north of them. Okay. And then the Pashtuns who live in the eastern part, they're very much allied with the Pashtuns who live in the western part of Pakistan. Neither one of them want to be part of their country. The ones in Pakistan want to have their own country, and the ones in Afghanistan, they all would rather have a country called Pashtun. Yeah, I bet they are. And so nobody's happy. And One of the, I think, really upsetting things right now about what we're doing there is I got an email from a GI recently who's over there, and it was a CBS News story he linked me to, and it said that there are some people that say as much as 20% of the contractor money 
that's being spent on rebuilding Afghanistan, U.S. taxpayer money, is being funneled to the Taliban as protection money. Hmm. Shoot. Rand, I think we've lost you. Well, it looks like we lost Rand Paul, and uh, he was right in the middle of his conversation there, but... uh, that's the that's the interview. I've got to get on to do the show now. So uh, this is the the added bonus. And uh, if you if you want to see Rand Paul get elected to the Senate, I think I do. Um, go ahead to go to RandPaul2010.com and uh, get some money to him. If uh, if you do it by the end of the night, I, uh, by the end of uh, the, the quarter here, September 30th at uh, midnight, you will. Uh, Add a little extra bonus to uh, to his numbers for the quarter, but either way, it takes money to win a campaign, and you know, guys like Rand Paul are probably the only hope that the United States of America has. So, um, if if <laughs> if you think that uh, if you think the United States is worth saving, it's probably worth giving a few dollars to Rand Paul. That's Rand Paul, two thousand and ten. Hello, Free Talk Live podcast subscribers. This is novelist Spencer Baum, here to tell you about my new book, The Demon Queen and the Locksmith. It's a fantasy novel in the tradition of the boy wizards and vampires that have been so popular lately, but written from the perspective of a libertarian like you. My novel has all the monsters, magic, hair-raising adventures, and teen angst you've come to know and love, but unlike those other books, you'll find no glorification of life in the government schools in this story. My main character doesn't truly start learning until he ditches class and connects with some libertarian homeschoolers. And he can't go about saving the world until he sees that the conformist worldview of the modern American fails to see the truth. But don't take my word for it. Listen for yourself. For free. Open up iTunes and search for The Demon Queen and the Locksmith. I've released the first six chapters as a free podcast. Give it a listen. It's free. That's The Demon Queen and the Locksmith. I hope you enjoy.